Greenberg. Fellas, we talked about it. We said we, this is the premise of the 2018 season, and let, at least until 26 is back in the building and sharing a backfield with James Conner. But in the meantime, we did discuss it, that now it all rides on the shoulders of number seven. He must step up the first half, I'm sure. It, it shook the weak-minded among us, the, the, the weak-gutted <laughs> among us. But in the last 30 minutes, with the season essentially on the line, Seven did, in fact, rise up, and he found his pal, 84 and beyond, and we took care of them Falcons. But that was mere hors d'oeuvre, fellas. Now we go yeah. to the Queen City, and Big Ben Roethlisberger, future Hall of Famer, must now vanquish Andy. <laughs> Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Ben in the gun, 15 seconds to go. The Steelers have a timeout left. Blitz is coming. All and here it comes, and a quick pop over the middle, running free. That's Antonio. 10-5. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. you got to be here. Oh, baby. Unbelievable. Unbelievable is right, Bill Hillgrove. All day long, Antonio Brown had been waiting to make the big play. He made a couple of them, none bigger than that. The, uh, the touchdown from Ben Roethlisberger to end the game. Unbelievable. Now we get two <laughs> weeks game. to feel pretty good instead of two weeks to just yell at each other. <laughs> That's right. Oh, what a gift we've been given, folks. Back on top. Do you understand the difference between a win and a loss yesterday before the bye week? It means everything. The loss in Cincinnati in the division would have been... Catastrophic. Brutal. But the somehow the Steelers persevere and uh, get past the Cincinnati Bengals yesterday in Cincinnati. Some say, oh, there was never any doubt. Well, I got news for you. I had a lot of doubt. <laughs> I'm glad we had the ball last. How about that? Uh, had a lot of doubt. We didn't really have the ball last, but. Yeah, I mean, we did. They had two plays. Um, Ten <laughs> seconds. <laughs> That's, I'm just saying. Okay, well, you're nitpicking a little bit. I'm talking about time to put a drive together. Without a doubt. No, 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 no. That I agree with. But even that minute, I, did, I wasn't sure was going to be enough. And somehow. Crazy. A nail biter. Indeed. Juju. He was, came, came up huge. He was lit. Had that huge uh, uh, first down before the touchdown that put them into field goal range to begin with. And Boswell probably was sweating his cojones <laughs> off at that point. He's like, well, I haven't had a good year. <laughs> oh, this well, really... this. I did not want it to come down to a kick. Nobody did. Nobody did. That's what they were saying in the game. It was like 50 yards. They're like, this is in his, you know, this is a 50 yarder. I'm like, no, it isn't. They it's haven't been paying attention. Yeah. Those guys, I mean, Ian Eagle and Dan Fouts are just a couple of jackasses. You should, Vontez Perfect, instead of being fine, should have to go to lunch with Ian Eagle. <laughs> Sit and listen to him talk. Vontez Perfect, by the way, should get fined for that shot to the head on Antonio Brown. I mean, every play, he leads with his head. He's yep. just an absolute jerk. There's no other way to say it. Mike was at the game. He's back here with the uh, post-game analysis for you. Nothing finer than seeing the Escaloser get cranked up and hordes of Bengals fans descending slowly, uniformly, into the realization that no matter what they do, when they wake up the next morning, they're still going to be the bungles. Fowl's got news for you now. What's going on? 
Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecasted as brought to us by Dormont Appliance. It's 58 degrees at DVE. I'm Val Porter. President Trump travels to Florida today for a close look at the devastation Hurricane Michael unleashed on the panhandle. The President and First Lady Melania Trump are scheduled to arrive on Air Force One at Eglin Air Force Base around 1030 Central Time. Uh, They are also expected to survey damage in Georgia later this afternoon. Sears is filing for bankruptcy. The century-old company that once dominated retail in America is filing Chapter 11 to reorganize and try to find ways to survive. Sears stores anchored malls all over the country before Internet shopping drastically changed the retail arena. Sears' bankruptcy petition lists assets of a billion to $10 billion in liabilities between 10 and $50 billion. A Pittsburgh priest is on administrative leave after being accused of sexually assaulting a minor. Reverend Joseph Reschick, who served St. Rosalia Parish in Greenfield, is accused in an incident dating back to the 80s. He is denying those allegations. Reschick has been the pastor at St. Rosalia for 28 years. Most Americans say they think it's okay for scientists to alter a baby's genetic characteristics for health reasons. In a new survey, those same people say they do not approve of editing a baby's genes to make him or her her smarter. 72% of Americans were in favor of changing a baby's genetic characteristics to treat a serious disease or condition. Only 19% said it was okay to make a baby more intelligent, 80% against. Over the question, is it all right to change genetic makeup to reduce the risk of a serious disease that might occur over a lifetime? 60% of Americans said yes. Scientists, though, are not at the point where gene editing is widely available. They say more testing needs to be done. However, 65% of Americans say if gene editing relies on embryonic testing, then that is going too far. Well, the, uh, the one thing I would say is that if you're okay with editing the genetic makeup of a baby for health reasons, but not for intelligence reasons, I submit they are the same thing. Because <laughs> a, a the guy who saw the sign that said, danger, no swimming, alligators present, and said, F that alligator, <laughs> and then jumped in the water and got chomped up in front of his friends. <laughs> I mean, had that guy had a little mental tweaking when he was a baby, he might have thought twice about jumping into the alligator pool. <laughs> yeah, his uh, his mental abilities were a detriment to his health. Exactly. That's, that's my point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the new Marvel superhero film Venom, top movie in the U.S. and Canada for the second straight weekend. It co-stars Tom Hardy and Michelle Williams. Earned an additional $36 million in North America for a 10-day total of $143 million. Coming in second, A Star is Born. And rounding out the top five are First Man, Goosebumps, Two, Haunted Halloween, and Smallfoots. Meghan and Harry are expecting. Kensington Palace announced today the Duchess of Sussex, who we know as Meghan Markle, is due to have a baby next spring. This will be the first child for Meghan and Prince Harry. The royal couple are on a tour of Australia that began this morning. The couple married last May. And uh, probably not, a, I don't know, I don't, not that people thought about this a lot, but it doesn't surprise me. Ariana Grande and Pete Davidson have broken up. Uh, TMZ says the pop superstar and SNL star split this weekend and called off their engagement. Apparently both felt that now wasn't the time for them to be in a serious relationship. They hadn't been dating for very long. I think like a month when they got engaged last May. So kind of felt like uh, she woke up. (laughs) I love Pete Davidson, but like he's he's a mess. 
Yeah, seems like that guy, he's like just smothering you. Well, it, especially it, the way they fawned all over each other in on social media and in public. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, Pete's story is a pretty incredible one. And uh, he has actually been a pretty good advocate for mental health. But also, mm-hmm. uh, he, he seemed a little uh, out of control there for a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she was dating Obsessed. Mac Miller before that. So it probably, by comparison, Pete was probably... Um, much less worrisome for her. She might be just slowly like scaling down on eccentricities. And I think, I mean, she's been through so much this year. I bet, you know, Max passing had a, a large part to do with her just being unable to to deal with all the emotions that were rushing in, you know? Yeah, great call. And she's on tour and he's probably super busy. So these young kids get hooked up with each other become infatuated and it just burns out because how old they're both like 24 yeah they're kids yeah they're just they're way too young to be engaged after a month yeah Yeah, breezy rainy today 60 for the high it's 58 at dve boy that was big news though huh i mean you would have thought it's pretty big news yeah the way they broke up yeah yesterday on the internet it was you could not turn on your computer and uh, not see that. I just thought it was kind of a slow news day yesterday or something. I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, I'm. it's noteworthy, but uh, we can all relax. Steelers fans can relax. Oh. Is Lev Bell coming back? Who cares? We have James Flippin' Connor. Everything in tight. Connor gets the call. Connor up over the top. They haven't ruled. Yes, they ruled. Touchdown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he was fantastic. And also broke off a run for what was probably a touchdown, which could have come back to hope, a haunt Coach Tomlin. We'll talk about that a little bit later on this morning. Jerry Dulac, Tim Benz, Stan Savern, our plays of the game for you. Mike Pursuta with your post-game reaction of it all. Well, now they get two weeks and they get the Brownies on a Sunday 1 o'clock matchup. I love it. In two weeks. So... Rest what uh, what ails you right now and get back at it. The Steelers are back in it at 3, 2, and... It's the DVE Morning Show. Uh, you know, we were talking about it off the air. One of the rare times I've seen anything like this, maybe the only time, Juju Smith-Schuster's Smith 29-yard catch, which looked like a touchdown after he stole from Darquez Denard. Uh, like, I thought for sure that was six and an unbelievable play. But his, no doubt. But his head was down that was the body part that it was down and it clearly was when you looked at the replay yeah it was, it was upside down but what a catch gets the snap blitz picked up throws it down the right sideline that pass will be caught caught touchdown, touchdown juju smith schuster he took it away from darquez denard oh. literally took it away what a play by juju yeah an incredible play by juju the uh, steelers get a very very important win yesterday in Cincinnati. Michael have more on that coming up momentarily. Did those announcers drive anybody else nuts? Maybe, uh, maybe it's because I was just so stressed out about the game. Maybe. Yeah, a lot riding on that one. I was screaming quite a bit yesterday. I was screaming mainly at Perfect. Oh, that dirtbag. It, it's, he just can't help himself. No, he, he cannot help no. himself. Re- and I don't know, maybe he, I don't know if he plays that way against every team because I don't watch their games, but he always plays that way against the Steelers. Always. Garbage. Second game back from a PED suspension. 
and he's throwing elbows at AB's head. AB, who had, I mean, it was a tale of two halves for him once again. Think of the week he had. As much drama as that guy has in his life. And he goes out both weeks and has huge games. I know. I can't imagine it. Two, look, two of the biggest catches of the game yesterday. AB, including, well, obviously the game winner. Was it a pick? No. no. Well, the, ref, the referee said no. No, it's not. Al Riveron issued a video saying, hey, th- that's not a pick on uh, on Hunter there because the defensive player established contact. Here's what he had to say. Good evening, everyone. This is Al Riveron. And we're going to discuss an interesting play today that happened in the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game. Okay. We're watching this defender right here as he is going to contact that receiver. That one. We're watching pre-snap <laughs> number 84. Can you goes see him? back in motion. He's and right. when he does that, the That's defender AB. comes up, mm-hmm. slides outside as you just saw. Right. And then immediately after the ball is snapped, he's going to make contact. And then there's contact downfield as they both go downfield. However, the contact is initiated by the defender. And therefore, the receiver is not responsible for this contact. Yeah. And the contact continues. Just when the ball is caught by 84, there's still contact. But the contact is initiated by the defender. Therefore, this is not OPI. Ah, there you go. Uh-huh. Not OPI. Except Mike Florio and uh, everyone at PFT, Pro Football Talk, they, of course, hate the Steelers. And they were saying, ah, wrong. NFL got it wrong again. Look, it's six. The game is over. The Cincinnati Bengals were unable, once again, to best their foe, their longtime nemesis, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Big Benny. Big Ben huge in Ohio once again. He owns that state. The Bengals owns. always figure out a way to bangle it up. Mike Pursuta was there. He's in next with your post game. Oh, what a relief it is. <laughs> The Steelers beat the Bengals yesterday with 10 seconds on the clock. Huge win. All right, that's coming up, Jerry. D, Tim, Benz, don't forget. You got Chalk Talk tonight featuring James Conner and Craig Wolfley, the Giant Eagle Market District in Robinson from 7 to 8. Right here on DVE, James Conner. What a game he had. Back-to-back 100-yard rushing games. Le'Veon who? Oh, now Le'Veon's tweeting at him. Hey, good game, bro. He's he's watching now. Yeah, at least he is watching. Well, will he come back? That remains to be seen. All I know is the Steelers are 3-2-1, and and we got life. Sports coming up next. DVE. DVE Sports. All right, Mike Pursuta with your sports right now. He was with the team yesterday in Cincinnati, flew back to Pittsburgh with them, and I'm sure there was uh, plenty of relief on that plane ride back to Pittsburgh International yesterday as the Steelers beat the Bengals and the Escaloser was cranked up once again, Mike. That's uh, 18 times in 21 tries at Paul Brown Stadium. The Steelers have beaten the Bengals, and somehow, some way, that becomes the end result. It's nuts. I don't know how they won that game in 2015, that playoff game, the, the sequence of events oh, that, man. that had to take place at the end of that game for the Steelers to win. I don't know how they won the Ryan Shazier game last December when they were down 17 to nothing, and they thought uh, their friend and teammate was paralyzed. 
And uh, yesterday, I think they got a call. I think they got a couple, actually. You think the winning touchdown was a pick? I do. I think I thought it was offensive P.I. I thought Tony McCray, the cornerback, initiated the contact, but I thought Hunter maintained it down the field. And I think the way I've seen that called before, or the way I think that should be called, I think that's illegal. But uh, Well, once A.B. has the ball, he can block, right? Right. But, so the but question not, is not how, before. how quickly did he get the ball? You're talking not about as one quick or two as, yard. Not as quick as you think. I just I was just looking at it after he said it because uh, Mike came in here before the commercial break and said, hey, I think that was a pick. And I was looking at it again. It's not a bang-bang. It's kind of just like a just a little bit of a delay, enough time for him to actually continue a block before I mean, the not, ball is in his hands. It's not egregious. Right. It's not a blatant, oh, my God, they blew. I just, you know, p- people are going to interpret that differently. I think there's a little wiggle room in the rule and in the way they call it. Can't wait to hear what uh, Zebra Talk reveals tomorrow. Well, Al Riveron said it yeah. wasn't. Well, that's his opinion. All of a sudden, he's uh, an infallible that's expert right. now. When it goes our way. Because last year, I don't <laughs> think too many people gave a crap what Al Riveron was saying after the Jesse James play. Yeah, I know. But this year we do, because he said good things about us. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know right. why he's finding this hard to understand. also thought that was a really iffy holding call on Drake Kirkpatrick on third and ten. Now, Ben Roethlisberger said he saw the whole thing because he was rolling that way and he, th- he thought it was a, a clear hold. I thought it was, too. He's got a little bit of a vested interest in it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sports This Hour is brought to you by You Pull and Pay. But uh, The bottom line is the Steelers got a win they really needed. I don't want to say they had to have it because there's still a lot of season left. But, boy, 3-2-1 looks a whole lot better than 2-3-1, doesn't it? And 1-1-1 one, one, and one in the division looks a whole lot better than no wins in your first three tries against the AFC North. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did uh, open up, and the Bengals took a chance. Uh, the, the scenario was this. The Bengals had scored with a minute 18 left to take a 21-20 lead. The Steelers uh, were trying to get to the 32-yard line at least to give Chris Boswell a shot to win the game with a field goal. They made it to the 31 and had a first and 10 at the Cincinnati 31 with 15 seconds left. So they got uh, timeouts in their pocket. They have a chance to run a couple more plays and get closer for Boswell. Uh, The Bengals wound up lining up in zero coverage, and uh, Antonio Brown knew that there was a chance to really make him pay for that. We had the perfect play call. Uh, Those guys were in zero coverage. I knew when I came in and motioned down and the corner backed up, I knew we had an opportunity for uh, catch and run. Yeah, Ben Roethlisberger uh, saw the same thing. No safety, no deep safety, and uh, a chance to burn him. And they blitzed everybody. Um, I had a great, great play call, and really, it was once I saw them starting to roll down into a zero, I knew what they were doing. I mean, if they they weren't, they were disguising it. But uh, it was catch the ball, deliver it, and let the let the rest happen. Yeah, as Brown motioned back toward the formation to line up next to Justin Hunter, the far corner William Jackson backed way off for some reason, mm-hmm. and McRae was up in press, and Brown just went behind Hunter and. Hunter either was within the rules or was not, but the bottom line was <laughs> McCray couldn't get to Brown, and once Brown had the ball uh, on the run, see ya, bye bye. Remarkable. I didn't uh, hear Marvin Lewis' explanation of that defense at that time. I'm guessing they thought they needed some kind of splash blader to knock them back. And and make it a longer field goal, or maybe with the blitz get get a tip and a maybe a tip pick something. 
they were surrendering yards to the Bengals, and uh, they took a shot and they got burned. They had they caught Burfecht walking into the uh, the locker room after the game, questioning the defense call on that play. It's like, why would we do that? I can't hit anybody in the head when we go zero coverage. You know, it's funny. It, I don't know if you watched uh, New England Kansas City last night. Critical point in the fourth quarter. New England tried the same thing against Patrick Mahomes, and the blitz got to him. It didn't sack him, but it affected the throw, and it was an underthrow. That they they went one on one with Tyree Kill. Oh yeah, with you know the length of the field behind them, and Kansas City couldn't execute it the way the Steelers did. Now, tried it. Kansas City tried a different pass than the Steelers did. They tried to go long instead of a slant. But man, did that work out for the Steelers? Great audible by Ben. The necessary one. I mean, you're going to audible to something when you see the blitz coming there, but boy, that that was definitely worked out great. Whether it was a pick or not, I think he's gone either way, but we'll never know. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger went over 300 yards passing, 369. And Juju Smith-Schuster with 111 yards. And Antonio Brown with 105 went over 100 yards receiving. And James Conner, 111 yards on the ground. They had a 300-yard passer, a 100-yard rusher, and... 200-yard receivers, and they had to pull that game out of their nether region. Yeah, I know. How does that happen? I don't know. One reason... And they uh, played, the defense was pretty good in the second half. Yeah, right up until uh, the game was on the line. And then they were totally And they went garbage. right down the field on them. And I don't know what Mike Tomlin was thinking. He said he didn't see a replay in the stadium of the James Conner run. I, I, That's a touchdown. you yeah. got to challenge that. you got... Hey, if you can't see a stadium, how about the coaches you have up in the yeah, press box? right. Anybody got a TV? There was about four replays right after the play. Tomlin tried to say... It was a touchdown. He tried to say afterwards, uh, he was like, well, you know, that last drive, you know, I had a lot of confidence. Having three timeouts there was was uh, key or something to that effect. And I thought, he he's trying to make an excuse for not challenging it. Oh, we needed them all there. You know, still left yourself... One time out at the end there, so you only needed to, even if you didn't get that challenge. You got a challenge. Got a challenge. It's a score. You never know what's going to happen. I don't care if the ball's on the one yard line right. or not. It's not automatic, as they found out. That and you- they hurried up the next play, which didn't make any sense to me. I mean, there was you know twenty seconds left on the play clock. You could have had somebody looking at it upstairs. Should have. I don't. I thought have there to. was a coach who was in charge of that. Uh, that might be a good question for the next Mike Tomlin press conference. Because that's either a, a complete whiff on his part or a gaping flaw in their process if they're not getting access to replays just because they're on the road. You don't think he was just gun-shy from losing the earlier challenge? I, 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 I Who cares if he is? I can't get yeah. in his head. The result, it was a wrong non-call. Right. Something should have been done there. Something has to be done there. That could have cost him the game, but it didn't. Uh, Vontez Perfect, as you guys have been discussing at his usual uh, tricks again, and uh, Steelers guard David DeCastro uh, said that it was challenging not to lose it in uh, response to Perfect's actions, but uh, the Steelers had to make sure that they didn't lose it, and they kept playing the game. It's huge. You just have to, though. You got to know the game's bigger, and maybe was be able to come back in and win the game for us, so obviously it didn't hurt him too bad. And uh, the other... Uh, Intriguing dynamic of uh, all that took place yesterday was the Ryan Shazier saga. Uh, Shazier visiting the University of Cincinnati Medical Center on Saturday and thanking all the people that helped him last December. And then uh, walking out onto the field and walking off the field uh, a winner. 
Here's uh, Steelers inside linebacker Vince Williams talking about Ryan Shazier. I mean, everything about Ryan is inspiring. I mean, besides the injury, he was inspiring before the injury. So now it's passed to it. So they uh, get out of there with the win, and they are 3-2-1. and one. They've won two in a row, and they've seemingly, uh, at least results-wise, established a little momentum. But uh, Cam Hayward not ready to go there just yet. I don't, I don't look at momentum. I just think we got to take it one game at a time. Um, you can you can build on stuff, but uh, to say one game is going to be indicative of the next, uh, that's not fair to the next opponent. Yeah, I'm with him on that. I don't think that's just uh, Cam Hayward trying to calm everybody down after a big win. I, they got the result they needed, but the, the way that game played out, I didn't sense a lot of, oh, man, they're on a roll. They're going to win five straight. Uh the special teams gave up two real long returns. What was uh, the red zone was bad? Artie Burns was alternating cornerback again, and he got yanked out of the Ooh. game after committing pass interference on what could have been the winning drive for the Bengals. He gave up a touchdown on which he looked like he had no clue what he was doing. None. Hayden dropped two interceptions. Yeah, they got some. Uh, they got some issues still. But Everybody dro- had drops in the first half, though. AJ Green dropped a couple, couple of them. Yeah. yeah. I- I don't know. Is Artie Burns getting worse? That was really uh, unacceptable yesterday. That does not give me any type of uh, inclination that he's going to come out of it and start playing ball anytime soon. (sighs) Well, he did say this was a make-or-break type of moment. Yes, he did, didn't he? Maybe a break. (laughs) Hey, guys, turns out it was a break. All right, have a good one. Somebody reached for the super glue. New England beat uh, the Chiefs, by the way, last night, 43-40. to 40. I stayed up and watched that. It's really annoying. Future of rock and roll went into uh, New England and hung 40 on the Patriots, but the uh, present of rock and roll drove his team down and won the game. That's There you go. That's what it is. Who that, has the ball? Those are the two best teams in the AFC, and they, they put up 83 points. This is the new NFL. So, work on that offense, Steelers. Yeah, you can't miss any opportunities. Bengals are 4-2. Uh, and two. The Ravens are 4-2 and two after thumping the Titans. Steelers are 3-2-1. Two and one, And the Browns, back to being the Browns again at 2-3-1. and one They got thumped. After uh, being decimated by San Diego. Penguins lost. Los Angeles. It's the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Keep saying San Diego. That might happen for a while longer. Pens lose uh, to the Canadians 4-3 in a shootout Saturday night. They've got Vancouver at home on Tuesday. The Red Sox beat the Astros 7-5 to even the American League Championship Series at a game apiece. The uh, Brewers are at the Dodgers tied at a game apiece tonight. College football, Notre Dame beat Pitt 19-14. Moves up to number four in the AP Top 25. West Virginia loses 30-14 at Iowa State and falls seven spots to number 13. And Penn State loses 21-17 to to Michigan State and falls 10 spots to number 18. Thanks, Mike. Val, what's going on top of the hour? Look out. Vape pens might be um, coming with a Viagra in them. hey <laughs> Don't mix it up. Jerry Dulac, 745. Tim Benz, 815. I know he's all over that River on uh, explanation as being BS. He thinks that was a pick. Stan Saverin in the 9 o'clock hour for our Steelers Power Hour of Talk. By the way, Drake Kirkpatrick didn't complain about that call, but he said the one that the holding call that he was flagged for was trash. 
He held him. I mean, it's not usually called that tight, but... Yeah. He held him for about... He held him. A millisecond. So how much fine, How much is the, the fine that he's going to get? Uh, he's going to get one. He said, I don't care if they find me. It was trash. So I'm sure they'll say, well, we do care if we find <laughs> you. And you're fine. Afternoon. Flank to the left. They give to Connor. Connor runs through a hole up the field. 30, 35, 40, 45. He's knocked out of bounds at the 50-yard line into the Cincinnati bench area. Nice run for James Connor. He had 25 there. He had a couple of touchdowns from one yard out. He had another one that should have been reviewed by the coach. But for some reason, uh, he didn't want to look at it. Not exactly sure. How that all went down. We'll try to get to the bottom of it later on this morning. Jerry Dulac will be joining us. Tim Benz, Stan Savern for our power hour of Steeler Talk. Your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. Jose and Tony's in Mount Lebo. 225 Bud Light 20 ounce drafts during all Steeler games. Jose and Tony's. That's your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. It is the DV Morning Show. Boswell back a couple of yesterday for uh, for the Boz, and uh, he didn't miss, which is good. Antonio Brown had a hard time getting going in the first half. Second half explodes. Another 100-yard effort. He always ends up with a 100-yard game. It's somehow, just, some way. Somehow. It took till 10 seconds left in the game, but he did it. And that huge catch for a touchdown from Ben Roethlisberger springs them to a W, and I could not be more excited that we have two weeks of waiting to play the Browns after a win, instead of having lost to the Bengals, because then it would have really felt like, oh, the bet, the you know, the players would have started bitching and, oh. third, you know, non-win in the division seemed like a, a pretty steep hill to climb. Yeah, and you know, the defense was pretty good up until the game was on the line. That drive was brutal, <laughs> and the the drive at the end of the first half, which I'm not sure how that happened, but they got a lot of pressure on Andy Dalton under center, play action fake, big rush. He's going to be hit and sacked. Vince Williams gets to him at about the 35-yard line. Yep, uh, Vince with a big game. Vince on a, was great. An emotional one for him yesterday. And uh, more on that on the way for you. Jerry Dulac, Tim Ben, Stan Saverin, and Mike Pursuta, who was there. Val's got your news when we return. Valerie, what do you got? Well, you better watch out. You might be getting dose uh, dose of Viagra in that vape pen. Your chance to win 1000 bucks in workforce cash coming up next. Erg. This was uh, a guy, he won the undercard of the Conor McGregor-Khabib uh, fight. Yeah. All right. But he took his pants off after the fight, and then Joe Rogan <laughs> asked him why. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why'd you take your pants off? Was, my balls was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, he said the, the president called him before the fight. Uh, the president called the guy doing an undercard? I think he was joking. I forgot a few hours before the fight. Donald Trump called me and told me I got knocked this rough out because they're making him look bad on the news. You know, him and Putin. They're talking about USA in this hole. <laughs> in this hole? USA in this hole? This is not, hear that clip this is not exactly Muhammad Ali-esque. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, why'd you take your pants off? My balls was hot. <laughs> I understand. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Well, uh, it was getting hot in Cincinnati yesterday. <laughs> right down to the wire. Ten seconds left in the game. And uh, stop me, you heard this before. Then in the gun, 15 seconds to go. The Steelers have a timeout left. Blitz is coming. All and here it comes. And a quick pop over the middle. Running free. That's Antonio. 10-5. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. You gotta be here. Oh, baby. Unbelievable. Unbelievable is Ooh. right, Bill Hillgrove. The Steelers 
Come back and win in Cincinnati after letting the Bengals drive all the way down the field and score what they thought was the game winner, Joe Mixon. Part of me was going, just let him score. Just let him score. Give us time. Give us some time. They're going to score no matter what. Then it almost looked if it was like laissez-faire D. Hands off. Mixon runs right into the end zone. You go, oh, my God. We got a minute and 18. A lot of time for Big Benny. (laughs) Let's see what happens here. Then Big Ben, he missed on a couple, too. That was not a perfectly executed drive. But you know what the part of it was that was perfect? The result. W is is all Ben gets in Cincinnati. The Steelers beat the Bengals in spectacular fashion. That last play, was it a pick on uh, Hunter? Well, Al Riveron says no. No, it was not. But uh, others who've looked at it closely think he might be just covering for the officials there in what would end up to be a monumental bitch fest in Cincinnati if it was decided any other way. Could you imagine if Al Riveron came out and he's like, that should have been a pick, should have been no touchdown. Oh, the, you know, well, that, I mean, that been changed the outcome of the game. First, because also it would have been, what, a five-yard penalty from and uh, down over, so first and 15, so now you're out of field goal range? And time's off the clock. A lot of that would have been a scary proposition for the Steelers if it's called a penalty. No doubt. We're not going to dwell on it. We'll figure it out. Take the win and run with it. You're damn right, Val. Run all the way through the bye, and maybe you'll have James Conner, who's just been tearing it up, running next to Le'Veon Bell. I don't know. If Vontez Burfecht's performance was any indication of what it'll be like when Lev Bell comes back from the break. I'm not anxious to see it. Perfect was sucking wind the entire game. Yeah, he was. And when he was playing, I mean, not that Lev would ever do this stuff, but I mean, he was just so dirty. Headshots, nonstop, cheap shots. Does he know any other way? He's garbage. No, he doesn't. He really is a garbage player, and I don't understand why. He's the, Can't help himself. You know, a lot of people were making the analogy with Tom Wilson. Great players who play outside of the bounds of the games in order to glean an advantage. Don't have to do it, but they do. It's part of their persona. But I don't know. There's something less legitimate about (laughs) perfect to me, and I don't know what it is. Is Pac-Man Jones even in the league anymore? No. Is he playing? I don't believe so. He's definitely not on that team. It was great yesterday to see... DeCastro just plow him five yards back into the end zone. Mm Mm-hmm. To see Vance McDonald run him over, basically. To see James Conner run through him. Mm-hmm. James Conner was nothing short of spectacular yesterday. Another 100-yard effort as he uh, takes the place of Le'Veon Bell. As Mike pointed out earlier, you had a 100-yard rusher, a couple of 100-yard receivers, quarterback threw for 369 or whatever it was, mm-hmm. and you had to eke out the win. It matters not! For the Steelers, that's the that's emerge the, victorious. That's the modern day NFL. Yeah, that's that, look at uh, that game last night. Eighty three points combined. Yeah, the Patriots and the Chiefs had a uh, a barn burner last night. Forty forty three. The past with the future. Yeah, that's what Mike thinks with Mahomes and Brady there. Um, but uh, Ben and the Steelers eke out the win. They get a little bit better each week. Three two and one now. Not so bad. Browns maybe falling back down to earth a little bit. Yeah, they, they got get trounced. I mean, they are the Browns. 
Yeah, there was a lot they of. They won two games, and everybody was like, "They're back!" Hold on, Look Super Bowl, Super Bowl. What am I no. saying? They're back. They never were. No, they never Toilet were. Bowl. Jerry Dulac, seven forty-five. Tim Benz, eight fifteen, and we'll have a power hour or Steeler talk with Stan Saver coming up at nine. The Steelers win. They beat the Bungles because, of course, they do. Is there anything more gratifying than seeing the Escaloser cranked up, Val? Love it. Hordes of Bengals fans <laughs> slowly, uniformly, methodically descending into the realization <laughs> that they live in Cincinnati, and when they get to the bottom of that, they're going to be a Bengals fan still, and, and they're going to be disappointed. Lost another game yes. to the Steelers. <laughs> that Escaloser should go right into the river. I think it does. It just just goes right into the bowels of hell. Steelers win. Val's got news now. What's up? Here's a Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. It's 58 degrees at DVE. The news is brought to us by Xfinity from Comcast. Dozens of people are still missing after Hurricane Michael hammered the Florida panhandle in the small town of Mexico Beach. Search crews are trying to find almost 50 people who are still unaccounted for. The town southeast of Panama City was one of the hardest hit places from the Category 4 hurricane with every home in that area being destroyed and storm killed at least 19 people. A new poll has Americans split over whether President Trump might win a second term. A new CNN poll has 46% of Americans thinking Trump will win the White House again in 2020. 47% think he'll lose. Back in March, 54% of adults thought Trump would lose his bid for another term. As far as Trump's challenger, former Vice President Joe Biden tops a long list of Democratic hopefuls with 33% support which I don't think he has said he's going to run, which I think yeah. this just well, means is, people are hopeful he will. Yeah, he hasn't said he, he isn't going to run. They're, everyone's How old. He's 78, isn't he? Isn't What's Trump? 71? I don't know. All I know is everybody in that list was old. Like they need to Joe get, Biden is 75. Yeah, they need to get some younger blood in there. What about who Beto? Will, if who there was, be? Well, he's going to get his ass Beto. Trump is 72. Like, if you watched any of those Kavanaugh hearings, the one glaring thing was, oh, all of these old people have no idea how the world actually works. And they're all old. I mean, super. Chuck Grassley is like, wore a loincloth at one time. (laughs) (laughs) Cory Booker's probably the youngest guy there. Yeah. And he's got to be in his 40s. Yeah. They need they need some younger voices in in, uh, in government. So Joe Biden tops the list of Democratic hopefuls. Thirty three percent. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders came in a distant second. Thirteen percent, followed by California Senator Kamala Harris at nine percent. Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren at eight, and uh, Jersey Senator Cory Booker and uh, John Kerry both at five percent. And speaking of Elizabeth Warren. She is releasing a DNA test result that shows strong evidence she has Native American ancestry. Wow, good. Uh, President Trump and other Republicans have mocked Warren for that claim, calling her Pocahontas. She provided test results to the Boston Globe yesterday in an effort to stop the questions about her ancestry. The expert who analyzed Warren's DNA says the vast majority of the center's ancestry is European, but there was a Native American ancestor six to ten generations back. Yeah, so there you go. She's so Native American, in fact, they're not going to let her vote in North Dakota. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can we see Derek Lewis as a a presidential hopeful? 
That's uh, are you kidding say. me? Trump will probably put him on the Supreme Court. My balls was hot. <laughs> uh, the axes are flying in Mount Lebanon. There's a new place called Lumberjacks's. Uh, it's open on McFarland Road. It's one of those places where you go and throw axes. I think my buddies own that place. Really? Yeah, a couple guys from Greenfield. Uh, they have a place in Millvale as well. There's six lanes and 12 targets. This is like one of the growing things that's happening. I think there's one in Irwin, too. I, I don't, there's one in Millvale. Owned there's by one. the same people, but... Yeah, this is where our current state of frustration is. We got to get our... Our, uh, our frustration out by going and throwing battle axes. <laughs> yeah, pretty soon we're just going to be like paying to go and chop wood for people. Well, you can pay to smash stuff. I think that's out in Irwin, too. Yeah, the smash room. Break room. Yeah. It's called the break room. You just go so. beat computers with ball bats. And... Oh, that's awesome. Is that BYOS? Like, do you bring your own stuff? I think you can. Because that's that's what would make it special for me. Yes. It's not just that I want to smash a computer. It's that I want to smash my computer. (laughs) Uh, The FDA is warning an e-cigarette company about putting Viagra and Cialis in its vaping liquids. Hello Cig sells the liquid with an erectile dysfunction drug, uh, but the FDA says it needs to comply with regulations before selling pharmaceuticals. In a statement last week, the FDA said there are no e-liquids approved for any medications that require a prescription or doctor supervision. The agency also said that vaping drugs is ineffective and dangerous. The Chinese-based company says it does aim to fully comply with the FDA. I mean, I think that that's actually a good thing because I think Viagra should have to come with a vape because then you get a, a smoke signal that somebody's going <laughs> to get real creepy in a very short amount of time. <laughs> oh, no, Tommy's smoking. Run! Killing that for a dart. More ways than one. <sighs> Coming back in with with an arrow. <laughs> I don't understand how they would put uh, It seems like those are expensive drugs to just. Vape? No, the. No, the Viagra. The yeah. Cialis. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you mean they're expensive drugs to just vape away. Yes. Like. You want a pill that's a direct hit. Well, I don't. I'm I saying. Mean, no, I'm saying that you think they would be, I don't know, more, more careful. I know about, what yes. you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Why would you use why would you use that in a, in vape juice? Yeah. Vape. <laughs> I just almost threw up when I said vape juice. <laughs> you should have. It's like um I don't know. The the whole e-cigarette thing versus so they tell you that the carcinogens in the in those cartridges are like, you know, parallel to or, or near what it's like to smoke a cigarette. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people who are weaning themselves off cigarettes by using vapes are Not actually helping. still using yeah. But I don't know if, if that's the same thing for the marijuana vapes. Like if you have a medical marijuana card in Pennsylvania, you can buy those cartridges and their THC. Oh. And I don't know if it's the chemicals and the flavoring and all the other stuff and the jewels that are problematic mm-hmm. or if it's just the component of the combustibility of a vape. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If it's that process that uh, that makes you sick. I don't know. Not sure. I can't really make fun of people that vape too much because I drink LaCroix, and that's basically the beverage version of vaping. 
sparkle water. What what was the But then I just heard that there was a, like a story that came out that there's like weed killer or something in yeah, there. Yeah, rat poison oh or something God, like oh that. My God. So here's so what that's I that's the essence in LaCroix. <sighs> here's what I read about that though. Uh, we'd be gone. It's not though. It's a component that's in it, but here's the good news. It's not the poison part that's in your LaCroix. Oh, good. It's the part that's sweet that attracts the the rats. Mm. Fantastic. So, <laughs> just the good stuff. Yeah, you're just getting the, the good poison. stuff in the rat poison. Is there any Cialis in there at all? <laughs> I'm not sure. You get a rat boner. <laughs> rat bellies and Roman helmets for everybody. <laughs> uh, Want to find yourself a beautiful lady? You better be smart. According to a new study, the key to attracting beautiful women is intelligence. Researchers found that when it comes to long-term relationships, beautiful women value brains over other traits. Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. It's all you got to know. How? Lady killer. How? Dude was just... Brains. A lady killer. I mean, how? I have no idea. I'm saying physically how. Oh, with him? Yeah. Well, that... that in, in the movie, they explain it. was very much it. alive. Yes. He vaped. A ton. <laughs> it's just a just Vaping Steve. And another relationship news, materialism and marriage don't mix. Researchers from BYU found that people who shop a lot and always have to have the latest thing are much less satisfied in their romantic lives and relationships. Materialistic people tend to put less value on relationships, which ultimately makes them unhappy in their marriages, according to Jason <laughs> Carroll, BYU professor of marriage and family studies. As the pursuit of money and possessions are prioritized, it appears that other dimensions of life, such as relationships, are de-emphasized. It's weird, sweetie. Like, I'm not happy with you, and I for sure thought that when I bought this cardigan, Things would turn around for us. <laughs> a former member of Three Doors Down is going back to prison. Ex-bassist Todd Harrell was arrested in June after police found guns and drugs inside his Mississippi home while they were responding to a domestic violence incident. He was charged with possession of a firearm by a felon and was just sentenced to 10 years in prison last week. Harrell previously served a year back in 2013 for vehicular manslaughter. An arraignment scheduled for this week for Vince Vaughn, who was arrested last June during a sobriety driver's license checkpoint in Manhattan Beach. The 48-year-old actor and a male passenger were stopped at the intersection of Prospect and Artesia in uh, Torrance, California. Prosecutors say police asked Vaughn to get out of its car, but he refused. He faces one count each of driving under the influence of an alcoholic beverage and refusing to comply with a police officer. He could face up to 360 days in jail if he's convicted. He refused to get Whoa. out of the car. Mm -hmm. I wonder if those cops out there are like, when they know they have a celebrity, just break into like movie quotes in hopes of coaxing them out. <laughs> Come on, baby. Get out of the car. Your money, you Come don't on. even know it. Come on. Come on. You're like this big bear and you don't know what to do with your claws. <laughs> and I get that. <laughs> when Bill and I uh, uh, met him out in uh, uh, the set of Sullivan and Son, you had already spent like a weekend with him or something. Yeah, like I that. had hung out with him and, you know, done normal stuff like played home run derby and laser tag. <laughs> like most 38 year olds yeah. do. <laughs> uh, but the thing that struck me about him was uh, he he talked exactly like he does in the movie. It's not like they write those movies for, and the, you know, he sounds like Vince Vaughn because yeah. of the movie. That's just who he is. 
<laughs> well, when he started, he was ragging Byrne about Sidney Crosby because at the time, that was like right when Chicago would won two cups in four years or yeah. whatever they did. So they were on their run. And he was like, no, Sidney Crosby's like a good kid. Like I I heard he likes PB&Js with the sides cut off, and he lives in Mario's basement. That's awesome. I got Kaner. You know, Kaner clocks ass. And that's just yeah. the kind of guy that we have. That's the kind of guy that I prefer. I prefer a guy that clocks ass yeah. as opposed to a guy who has to get ass. macaroni and cheese made by uh, by the former great player of the Penguins. But no, that's your guy. No, it's, it's your guy, though. I mean, you no. guys should be happy no, with that. That guy's I mean, a great guy. He just went into it just bl- like blowing us up, and I was like, I have no retort. <laughs> I got nothing to say there. You, he does, and you know what? PB and J with the sides cut off is is pretty good. Yeah, I'll take Sid. Definitely that that those comments did not age well. No, they did not. Windy and rainy today, sixty <laughs> degrees ass. for the high. It's fifty-seven at DVE. He clocks ass. Remember that girl down on Rush Street? Remember that Stevie? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyways. Uh, the Steelers yesterday. Oh, the clock almost ran out on the season for him. I mean, Sure, they would have still been in it, but would they really have? The people who had clawed their way back onto the bandwagon would have let go and just <laughs> fallen right to the ground and let the let the wagon move on without them. But it, it didn't go down like that. Antonio Brown with the touchdown yesterday after being held silent for most of the game. Spectacular. The last two drives. Yeah, Big Ben gets it done once again. Juju. Now, the one play with Juju where he steals the ball from Darquez Denard up over his head. He, like, trapped it on his helmet. Now, isn't this... That's a handstand. Didn't it kind of remind you of the Martavis Bryant touchdown? Like, the flip in the end zone? A little mm-hmm. bit, yeah. I mean, it was incredibly athletic. And they still don't give him the touchdown because his head was down <laughs> on the flip. Which, first time I've ever seen a head be the body part, as Gene Steratore said during the game. The body part that determines the play was down, but uh, I thought they should have given him the touchdown, personally. Just because. Definitely. You know. That was like breaking two Juju Boogaloo. Steps. Rainbow. Battle for it. Oh, Smith Schuster comes away with it for the touchdown. Fantastic! Yeah, and uh, Denard just sitting in the end zone like, how did what? I not get that ball? Steelers the head slide. Steelers receivers were great yesterday. Vance McDonald once again blowing some people up. But it wasn't really uh, just about what was happening on the field, off the field. The Ryan Shazier uh, emergence from the uh, from the locker room. And he walked out onto the field where a year ago many thought he would never walk again. He stopped at the uh, at the hospital in Cincinnati where he was treated afterwards and thanked the medical staff. No, it really makes me feel good just to actually come back because I it's been kind of hard. Uh, even I haven't even gone back to UPMC yet because, you know, going back there and here is kind of, I'm not going to say it's taking me to a dark place, but it's just, it's kind of scary sometimes. So I'm actually happy to be here and just see everybody's face and just, just, uh, just, I just want to let you guys know I'm doing really well and just thankful. Oh, man. Yeah, thank you. How about that? To be able to walk back in there. And on that field where all that happened, Fontez Burford goes out there and he's just throwing elbows at AB's head, playing dirty, huffing and puffing, couldn't keep his breath. He was so out of shape. And then the Bengals... Screwed up. Steelers almost really screwed this one up, too, because it looked like James Conner was in the end zone. Coach Tomlin doesn't yeah. review it. Could have cost them big. If that last drive doesn't happen, 
Mike Tomlin would have had one hell of an awful couple of weeks here during the bye in Pittsburgh trying to explain away that one. 100%. Mike's got your sports. When we return, Jerry D, more Steelers talk. Tim Benz, Stan Savern with the Steelers Power Hour. The Steelers beat the Bengals in Cincinnati yesterday, and now it's on to the Browns in two weeks when uh, Baker Mayfield brings the boys to Heinz Field on October 28th for a 1 o'clock kickoff. Mike's Sports, coming up next on your radio home of the Steelers, DV Cycling Fees. DVE Sports. Mike, pursued it with your sports right now on the home of the Steelers, DVE. And what a way to pull out the win in Cincinnati yesterday. Big Ben to AB on, well, I don't, I don't want to call it a controversial play. Oh, no, I think you should. Well, no, the NFL put that controversy to rest. Yeah, okay. Much, sure, much like they did with the Jesse James catch. That's and what we they never, do, right? They're and never we wrong. never talked about it again. Yeah. Bengals fans won't be talking about this. They're actually more upset about the holding call on Drake Patrick. I don't know why. Oh, I do. You think that was Gorgonzola? Yes. Yeah. Just turn it around if that's if that's your guy getting that call. It was holding. It was what you might call ticky tack. But by the letter of the law, can't argue it. You could argue. Yeah. Just everybody out there who likes to uh, dredge up the there's a conspiracy against the Steelers theory when things go wrong every once in a mm-hmm. while, please remember this game. Because I think they got two big breaks on that last drive. Uh, I don't know. I think you're sucking the joy out of all of the fun of yesterday's win mm-hmm. over the Bengals and just, looking at it a different way. Just calling it like I see it, cuz. I'm just saying. There's two ways the to look at this. One way is to say the Steelers caught a break. The other way is to say it's the Bungles and they bungle it up one way or another. And hey, there's no law against taking advantage of breaks. That's how you win games sometimes. Got to get some. Um, Sports this hour is brought to you by uh, Hovis Auto and Truck Supply. And and whatever the calls were or were not, uh, the Steelers did what they had to do in the waning moments yesterday at Paul Brown Stadium. It always seems to work out for them there, does it not? Uh, it does. They made it 18 wins and 21 tries. In the facility named after the great Paul Brown. And uh, this one took a little doing. The Steelers had one twelve left on the clock after the TD that gave the Bengals a 21-20 to lead and Ryan Switzer's kickoff return to the Pittsburgh 23-yard line. They thought they needed to get 45 yards to get to the Cincinnati 32. That would give Chris Boswell a shot at a 50-yard game-winning field goal. Given that they had... Three timeouts and a minute and 12 with which to work. Ben Roethlisberger thought that was more than enough time, and he told his teammates that very thing. Here's Marquise Pouncey. Yeah, he said they gave us too much time. That was his only words, and then we went out there and scored. (laughs) (laughs) Pouncey got a kick out of that. Uh, Roethlisberger did as well, although he preferred Pouncey had not gone there publicly. Uh, That, of course, uh, was not the only thing Roethlisberger told the Steelers. They're not supposed to give those kind of tidbits <laughs> out. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, um, you know, on the sideline before we went out, I, I told the guys, this is what legacies are made of for all of us. Let's go take care of business. Um, and that's what makes it fun. And uh, fun it became when the Steelers beat uh, a zero-coverage, seven-man pressure for the game-winning 31-yard touchdown pass from Roethlisberger to Antonio Brown. It was about a one-yard pass and a 30-yard 
run after the catch. <laughs> and uh, was Justin Hunter in the right, or did he commit offensive pass interference and get away with it? You can debate that for a long time. I don't have to. Time. Al Riveron says he didn't. <laughs> We're good. He's making up for that Jesse James catch last year. The Steelers uh, never lost faith, never panicked, uh, just went about the business of doing what they had to do. Ramon Foster said that, hey, that's what they can do in those situations because they've got Ben Roethlisberger. To be honest with you, it's always it falls back on seven. You, when you have a franchise quarterback, a uh, Hall of Fame type quarterback, you always got a shot. That's why you know teams give up so much in the draft. They want that guy. We have one of those guys, and Ben is a guy that, that makes it happen. He's as I said before, he's surgical. He's a general out there. So um, if he's out there, we got a shot every every week. When he said franchise quarterback, I thought he said French ass at first, and I thought that was some new term the people like the, the kids are using these days to be like, he's dope. Yeah, he's French ass. We got a French ass quarterback. <laughs> when he said he's surgical and then he's a general, I thought, what's he running for Surgeon General? <laughs> he's surgical. He's a general. He's going to he start helping with, America, not just the Steelers. He's come out <laughs> against smoking. Yeah. <laughs> what a scene, though. And uh, so much uh, went on as almost always does when the Steelers and Bengals get together. Uh, part of it, of course, involved Vontez Perfect, the uh, Bengals linebacker, who uh, the, there were several near incidents with uh, David DeCastro and Alejandro Villanueva, and then an, an actual incident on Antonio Brown. You might call it an assault <laughs> on Antonio Brown. Uh, DeCastro said they handled most of Perfect, excuse me, Perfect's antics, but uh, the Brown play, unacceptable. No, I mean, it's the usual push and shoving, but I didn't I didn't lose my mind, so that was nice. Yeah, I got into a little bit. I think we're all just kind of laugh at this point and move on. Um, you hate to see that shot on AB. I mean, when are they going to stop with that? I mean, it's they want to protect quarterbacks. What about protecting your star receiver like that in the league and a cheap shot with the shoulder? You know what you're doing. I mean, it's it's ridiculous at this point. I can't, I can't stand it, and the league team doesn't seem to do anything about it. Yeah, it was obvious. How did he not get tossed from that game? I don't know. I don't know. How he did he get not get tossed? That. And that's supposed to be, you know, going for the head is now supposed to be uh, unacceptable across the board, right? He led with his helmet several times yesterday. Yeah. He speared Connor in the back, helmet first. Tell you what, though, the Steelers handled it the right way. They just, whatever went on, they kept a physical approach to what they were doing. Uh, James Conner and Vance McDonald were inflicting punishment mm-hmm. with the ball in their hands and, and doing it legally. And the the toll that was taken, uh, Bengals lost their strong safety, Sean Williams, to a concussion. I think that was because he got run over multiple times by Conner and McDonald. Uh, they lost their nickel cornerback, Dark Quez Denard, to a shoulder injury. That, I think that was on that tremendous Juju. catch by Juju Smith-Schuster, which I think they were going to call an interception at first. And then there was a quick little discussion, and they changed it to no touchdown but catch. Uh, Nick Vigil, uh, one of the starting linebackers, went out with a knee injury. Jesse Bates, the free safety, got knocked out by perfect. He got got on that A-B hit, right? On the the Brown hit. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if Bates came back into the game or not. I don't think he did. And even perfect left briefly. He was getting run over by... Connor and McDonald when uh, he wasn't doing all that voodoo that he does. And Dunlap came out for a second. I think that was just cramps. 
He had like hamstring and and uh, hip cramps or something. Yeah, Steelers really uh, as physical as they had to be, and they did it the right way. Consider this stat. Ben Roethlisberger attempted 46 passes. He got sacked zero times. And uh, What a game for the O-line. He mentioned after the game that he had to go away from his primary target a lot. I couldn't get him to you know come up with an exact number or a percentage, but it looked to me that was happening all the time. He, had, he was, look here, look, okay, and now I'll dump it down to Connor, or okay, I'll throw it over to this guy. Um the offensive line was phenomenal. That is a great Cincinnati defensive line. We had questions about them going into like week three. Going in the Atlanta game, and, we were kind of wondering. The, and they really have the responded deal? the last yes. couple of weeks. Yeah. They were they were phenomenal yesterday. Yeah, he had all day. And they were just bullying people. Pouncey, DeCastro, downfield, yeah. smacking guys. That kind of game. And... Uh, the Steelers get the W. They're 3-2-1. Um, one of the things that uh, would have made this a little easier uh, potentially would have been Mike Tomlin challenging a long run by James Conner that was spotted at the one-yard line. The replay was pretty apparent to me that it was a touchdown, but uh, Tomlin didn't challenge it. I didn't see it. You know, you don't get opportunities at replay in visiting stadiums. Okay, that's that's fine. There's got to be a, a procedure in place gotta where be. somebody upstairs sees the replays on TV that the entire rest of the country is seeing, and buzzes down and says, "Hey, you got to challenge that because that's a touchdown." I mean, Mike Tomlin comes under fire when the Steelers win, you know, yeah. all the time. Yesterday, that was a mistake. That was a crucial mistake by Mike Tomlin. Who will not own it? <laughs> I guarantee you, he will tell you why he yeah, was right to yeah, not do it. Yeah, he's going to come out uh, uh, tomorrow and say uh, that he still hasn't seen a replay of that that would have overturned what they called on the field. That's what infuriates people. He's going to go out there tomorrow and go like, I've looked at it five times since, and I still haven't seen one that I think they definitely would have. Those timeouts were crucial on that last drive. So, hey, I was glad we had three timeouts in order to uh, feel comfortable on the the, uh, the drive that won it all for us. Yeah. Next question. Coach, would you have needed those timeouts if you had four more points because you gave up a touchdown that you clearly exactly. scored? Exactly. Well, now your follow-up yeah. question is ready. Now, okay, that <laughs> that point made, you also have to – people talk about his team being undisciplined, unprepared, all the typical complaints when they lose. Right. They, they just went into a heavyweight fight and came out the victor and did it at the end of the game. Yeah, and look, with, against with a team – and precision and, and the right plan and the right adjustments and all that other stuff that people like to throw up. Against a team that has been able to push their buttons in the past. I mean, you heard DeCastro say in his soundbite there, Mike, I didn't lose my mind, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Like, it was on, you know, it was it was possible. It's a tough <laughs> Like, he could Don't have. Don't forget, he's fought, like, ridiculously with Perfect, and Perfect spit in his face yeah, in that one game. Perfect. They've yeah, got a history. Just a garbage player. That was interesting. All the, I also talked to Foster and Pouncey about Perfect. And they both gave it the old, ah, that's just him being perfect, and he's a great player, and he's fiery. And uh, DeCastro was the only guy I talked to who actually came out and decreed the injustice of uh, him perfect being allowed to do what he did to Antonio Brown. Um, 
Seems like it's always something in Cincinnati, and it seems like the Steelers always win. They won again yesterday. It doesn't mean they're fixed. We're the same team with the same warts, trying to get better. Um, but it's, it's, it's more fun to do that with a W. No argument there. Maybe in the bye week they can go see a dermatologist. Get some of those warts taken off. <laughs> Maybe Roethlisberger can get some of his Surgeon General buddies to give him a medical <laughs> cure. Jerry Dulac is on his way back from Cincinnati. We're going to talk to him when we return. Get his take on what he thought about that Justin Hunter block. Coach Tomlin's process when it comes to replays, because I don't think you can say he shouldn't have done it at this point. After watching it, I mean, it looks like that was six, Mike. Would they have three, four angles? I watched it last night when I got home. Oh my God, that was a touchdown. I didn't get a good look at it at the game, but yeah. And what a play by Connor to kind of twist and extend the ball and get it to the goal line before his back hit the ground. It was an amazing play. Cirque du Soleil. Great move by Connor after the game, as always. He's He's really starting to handle himself in the spotlight. Uh, in a manner that you would expect him to. What was his response when asked about that? That was my fault for not keeping my feet. If I keep my feet, I go right in, and we're not even talking about this, so that one's on me. That's what we want to hear. That's it. Even if you don't mean it, you just say it. Okay, Damashek. But I think he means it. <laughs> he is inspiring me. Damashek is inspiring me to... He's more fit than him from to time to To work yourself up. It's good. No, I Get can... yourself in a lather. I like that story you were telling last week about how before you guys interview him, he's nice and calm, and it's just another day. Oh, the day. second, yeah. And then he starts talking about the Steelers. And he gets and all fired up, yeah. loses his mind. Don't we all? I was screaming at my TV yesterday. It was, I, I was embarrassed at how vocal I was. My neighbors had to be you like, were at your house, up, dude. Yeah, okay. I was in my house. Well, it was a Steeler game. Yeah, that's they're fine. They're doing the same thing. Yeah, right? but I yeah they couldn't hear you on the account of their screaming. <laughs> I was screaming awful things, calling people awful names, because I knew if we lost that, the next two weeks were going to suck so bad. And I'm like, no, I can't have this part of my life go to shambles right now. Don't you do this to me. Don't you do this to me. It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show, and we're joined now by Post-Gazette writer Jerry Dulac, part of the Pittsburgh Steeler Radio Network pregame along with our own Mike Pursuta. He's on his way back from Paul Brown Stadium right now. How are you, Jer? Well, I'm fine, Randall. I am in uh, beautiful Reynoldsburg, Ohio, which I believe is Le'Veon Bell's hometown. We always stop here on the way back, and it was, oh, man, brutal last night. Just, you know, horrible, just miserable rain. We had to get off the highway once for an accident, and then we got stuck in another. It took us three hours to go an hour and a half, so... So you called it a night? Yeah, yeah. we we plan to do it anyhow. Uh, that's typically what we do on a 1 o'clock game in Cincinnati. And then uh, then I'll get we'll get back in the car here in a little bit and head home. So, Jared, could you pick Lev Bell up and uh, bring him on back to Pittsburgh? <laughs> well, well, nobody's seen him here either, so uh, there's been no contact. Hmm. We checked with the people here at the Fairfield Inn, and nobody's seen him. By the way, I love the way, <laughs> I love the, uh, the way that Ben joked about that after the game. Sort of yeah, like, the, you could tell the, Ben's pissed off at Lev. Well, no question. And he did it. You know, some people say that and they give like a little wry smile. And, and Mike was in there. And, and, you know, he did it with a straight face. And, I mean, we knew what he was talking about. But if some outsider was in there, they'd think, 
what's he talking about? Is this James Conner's last game? But yeah, it was pretty good. You know, no question, it was a big, it was a big dig at at, at Le'Veon. But it, you know what? It was also, I think, it was also a little dig at those people who who wonder if when Le'Veon Bell comes back, that does James Conner go to the bench? And I think. Uh, I think Ben's been pretty adamant about that the last two weeks, what's going to happen. Uh, Jerry, there's a lot of Steeler fans who'd like it to be Mike Tomlin's last game, and if he would have uh, <laughs> blown that one yesterday, those calls would have become greater. What do you think about that, uh, the review or the non-review, the non-challenge on the James Conner uh, run? I, I, uh, couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Uh, I said at the time, I said, why is he not challenging that? I don't know if he got a little gun shy or, or flag shy, if you will, from the previous call, you know, uh, and I don't know why he challenged that because I thought it was clear that he didn't make that line, you know, on Switzer's catch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, James Conner flips into the end zone, and when he didn't challenge it, and then, of course, they get stopped, uh, that just made it worse. I, I will also say that um, I, I thought when he kicked that field goal, I thought maybe, um, you know, they, they should have just gone for it there and make them go the length of the field. I get why you kicked it, but... I wasn't in agreement with that, and I didn't like the play calling uh, even on the on that field goal drive. They started with a run, a James Conner run for 11 yards, and then they proceeded to throw it seven straight times. And, and you know, I, I know it ended up in a field goal, but again, run the ball and waste more, t- take more time off the clock, you know, if you're worried about giving it back to them. So those are some of the things that I didn't, uh, I didn't quite understand. Well, they probably – Wanted to make sure after they knew they were going to give up the score, they'd have enough time to score yeah, one last exactly. time. Leave them, leave them a minute, a minute eighteen to go down the field. What do you make of that defense, Jerry? It was a, a pretty credible performance for most of the day against what I think is a pretty good offensive team, and yet that last Bengals possession was too easy, wasn't it? Yeah, Mike, and and I, it's funny you say that because we were talking about that last night. I said people are going to rip the defense for them going down the field. And, and giving up that touchdown. But all in all, they were pretty solid. You know, I know the Bengals averaged like five yards a carry. But, you know, I mean, Joe, the longest run was 13 yards, and the longest pass play was uh, was 23 yards. So that's not exactly getting gashed with big plays. And, you know, Andy Dalton's been very good. The Bengals have been averaging over 30 points a game. And I thought I thought the pressure was good. You know, they had three sacks, and I think they had four quarterback hits. And... Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I thought all in all it was fairly solid. It's just that they didn't get the stop, uh, you know, when they needed it at the end. But I agree with you, Mike. Jerry, I've, I've been waiting for them to just play Artie Burns and stop the rotation. Is it, is it now to the point where they should just play Cody Sensible and stop the rotation? You know, you know Mike, that, hmm. that was just a, that was just a, exactly what happened on that touchdown is the exact reason why, they don't, why they're having problems with Artie Burns. Oh, maybe it's a lack of confidence on his part, but it's it's lazy, uh, dumb plays uh, on, on his part. I mean, you know, he's just not aware of what of, of kind of the situation. He wasn't even close to Tyler Boyd on that play. And uh, when you see when you see that happen, they just shake their head because that that's exactly what he's been doing. And uh, yeah, I'm not so sure if you keep off the rotation because there's and then he gets beat. You know, he gets the pass interference call. I know a lot of guys get pass interference calls today's NFL, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a, a sterling performance by all yeah, that's for sure. And to get yanked out of the game after that. Yeah. In oh, yeah. mid-series. I mean, is, yeah. Yeah. 
What about the uh, the controversial last play? Controversial in the eyes of uh, Bengals fans, anyways. Was it a pick yeah. on Hunter? <laughs> the eyes of the Bengals fans and Butch Hobson. Yeah. Uh, oh, was Butch going crazy? <laughs> oh, oh, are you kidding me? That's all I heard in the press box. It was an illegal pick. It was another illegal. You know, he's still, re- he's still remembering hits on Giovanni Bernard helmet hits from five years ago. <laughs> um, they brought he, up Ken Anderson yeah. in the pregame show. No, they... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, here's the thing. I talked to Justin Hunter afterward, and he was very much aware of the rule. He knows in that one yard from the line of scrimmage, you can contact the receiver. Um, Al Riveron, of all people, said last night it was a, it was a legal play because the defender contacts him, and when that happens, it's a, you know it's a free ride for five yards. He said he didn't see a problem with it, and so Justin Hunter was aware of what he was doing. Um, it was just a great play. Ben called that play. Antonio Brown saw William Jackson lay off him when he came in motion, and he said he knew once they were in zero coverage, no safety help, and once he caught that quick little slant, that's what Ben had to do was just get the ball to him quick. And they all knew it would be a touchdown. But it was, yeah, it was a big play by Justin Hunter. Give him credit. All right, good problem for the Steelers to have. If Lev Bell does come back, James Conner and Lev, how do you one-two that? Well, I think it'll be several more games before you one-two that. You know, uh, you know, I was told in the locker room last night that they still have nobody has heard from Le'Veon Bell as to whether he's coming in. So I wouldn't hold your breath that it's going to happen. If it does, it's going to be – a surprise to the Steelers who aren't expecting them. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's going to be uh, two weeks before they even play him. And, you know, you saw when he came back last year, um, you know, yeah, he touched the ball ten times. I, I don't think there's any question that they're going to, uh, you know, they're not going to sit down James Conner. And, and then based on the last two games, why would you? Um, the guy's been a beast. You know, he has five runs over 20 yards already. Le'Veon Bell had three all of last year. And uh, you see the way he's been breaking tackles, making guys miss. Um, yeah, seven I, you know, uh, rushing he, touchdowns, actually eight. Yeah, which, which, which leads the league. He leads the league in most 100-yard games. It's kind of hard to argue with that. Um, I know when this happened with D'Angelo Williams, they put Le'Veon Bell right back in there. This is an entirely different situation, uh, 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 mainly because of what Le'Veon Bell has done to help create it. So I don't think you're going to sit there, sit here and uh, – See Levy on Bell come back and all of a sudden get the majority of the carries. Jerry D, safe travels coming back from Cincinnati. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon, brother. All right, boys. Thanks. All right. Uh, that's uh, Jerry Dulac from the Post Gazette and the Pittsburgh Steeler Radio Network pregame along with Mike Pursuta. Boy, uh, I'm not sure about that five yards thing. All right. Well, we'll get to the. We got plenty of time this morning to get to the bottom of it all. Long as 28 21 remains the final score. Oh, I don't care what. Yeah, we, I don't care what we figure out, change. Mike. That's not going to change. Don't care what we figure out. Tim Benz, Stan Saver with the Power Hour, Steeler Talk in the 9 o'clock hour still to come. The top five plays of the game, and Val's got news next. We're going to talk about uh, if you'd be happier at work with the meditation room. Chalk <laughs> Talk tonight. James Connor with Craig Wolfley <laughs> at the Giant Eagle Market District in Robinson. That'll be broadcast from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. right here on your home of the black and gold. 102.5 Deepsburg. TMZ reporting Antonio Brown is being sued for an incident that happened last April. According to the lawsuit, A.B. went into a fit of rage in his 14th floor luxury apartment in Florida and started trashing the place and throwing stuff out the window. Yikes. A man named Ophir Sternberg is suing, saying his 22-month-old son was on the ground with his grandfather when all this stuff started coming out the window and landing around them within like a foot or two. 
So if this went down the way the guy says, they were hanging out down by the pool, and all of a sudden, furniture from the 17th floor starts flying 14th. out. 14th floor starts flying out the window. Oof. I mean, it's possible he is on a lot of HGTV shows. He might have thought he was on a flip that house thing where he had to actually just do it himself. No, we didn't mean flip out in your house. Call God He's- and then call my lawyer. I think I'm in trouble. <laughs> God, can you recommend a lawyer? <laughs> Randy <laughs> Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. You just call 1-800-MOVERS, AB. You don't need to just do it yourself. Think of the Two pressure in the truck. that Antonio Brown was under all week long. Sure, it was self-imposed. But think but about still. the stress that he was under last week. Again, all his doing. But just imagine it for a second. Coming off that week... Ian, uh, against uh, the Falcons, he has a big second half again. The Wi-Fi, the controversy just within the bounds of the team, of his flipping out and whether or not he was going to be able to maintain emotional status, whether he will be able to, to persevere and figure out a way to be productive while getting doubled on a team when he and Ben just did not seem to be able to connect. Comes out of that week with all of the controversy of the 14th floor furniture fling. Deals with that, says it's all a bunch of hogwash and it's all going to come out in the end that none of this is true. He's dealing with all of that stress. First half, nothing. Goes in at halftime wondering, will it finally break for me? Two huge catches. Huge. From Antonio Brown. One to set up a field goal, another one to win the game. And inexplicably... He goes from nothing to a 100-yard game again. That's how A.B. does it. He waits and waits and waits. He keeps going. He stopped throwing Gatorade barrels around when he's frustrated. And he just kept biding his time until he was able to get free. And Big Ben hits him for the game winner. Ben in the gun, 15 seconds to go. The Steelers have a timeout left. Blitz is coming. All here it comes, and a quick pop over the middle, running free. That's Antonio. 10-5. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. you got to be here. Oh, Unbelievable. Unbelievable is right. And you wonder, after all of that, why Antonio Brown thinks he's invincible? Because stuff like this happens to him all the time. He's the best. He's AB. He's absolutely insane. But he's our crazy guy. <laughs> and that's how we like it. Steelers win. Bengals lose. Fowl's got your news right now on DVE. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Appliance. 56 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. The Mega Millions. How'd this happen? All of a sudden it's worth $654 million. Again. Holy smokes. That's for the drawing tomorrow. It'll be the fourth largest lottery prize in U.S. history. Jared Kushner will probably win it. You going to play? Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I can get away from you a-holes, Are you gonna I'm going to do it. No, there I used never to be, do. There used to be a sign on the Parkway West outbound that would show you what the the jackpot was, but they took it down. So now I, I never know what the jackpot what, is. Like a ticker? Like yeah. one of those electric ones? It would be like, ah, this... Powerball, the next Powerball's worth $120 million. Then it's like, oh, $300 million. I better buy a ticket. Yeah, six hundred fifty-four yeah, million. Never, I never play either. And if you do win, you have to take the one-time payment, not the annuity. Yes, because if you die next week, 
then nobody gets your money. Yeah, you got to take the money. Oh, also, you, you the present value it. of all that money is better than the future value. Yes, of- but if you think, I'm irresponsible, I need to spread it out. Right. You can't will it to somebody. No, I... It is a good re- time to remember that the amount of people who have won the lottery and their lives have been ruined is uh, there are some fairly that, fairly high. No, I've seen a show about lottery winners who have great lives. <laughs> it's probably most of them, right? Like we yeah. all, <laughs> we just focus on the. We awful. just focus on the guy who every time he went to the strip joint, he took a bag of two hundred thousand dollars <laughs> yeah, and kept robbed. losing it. I don't know why this keeps happening. Where's my bag? Somebody stole my bag and my gun. Oh, guys, I've had bad luck. There was a guy from Oil City who won one. I was a kid when he won it. And it wasn't, you know, hundreds of millions, but he died penniless and paranoid and... Everybody wants my money. Yeah. Everybody wants my money. There was a guy who won the lottery. It was on that show, The Lottery Ruined My Life, yeah. which was, a you know, a show. Enough to have a bunch of episodes and a whole season and a couple seasons, actually. And he won the lottery and opened up a pawn shop. He was just still <laughs> buying, like, swords from the 1800s and just junk. I'm like, well, what are you doing? You actually have millions of dollars. Yeah, but I think about that with, like, my dad. If he won the lottery, he would just do the His same thing times change. 10. Yeah. His house would be like tchotchke land. Oh, my God. It already is. It looks like a gift shop at a casino. <laughs> just be Billy Bass for everybody. Oh, my God. There'd be, like, a fart hallway where yeah, you just he walk just walk out his fart. <laughs> You know how the iHeart <laughs> iHeart headquarters in New York has a misting hallway. You walk through it, it's all mist. My dad's would just be farts. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a Santa fart. Yeah. Oh, uh, we That's are about, an Easter bunny fart. We're coming up on the holidays, which means when you walk into my dad's house, everything will make a noise and will be farting at you. <laughs> Every little nut dish, you know, it sounds like Beaver Stadium. Every if you try to get soap from the uh, soap dispenser, it phenomenal. It rivets. <laughs> and if you try to crack the pepper, it's a waiter who goes, "You're breaking my neck." I mean, everything <laughs> has to talk. The bottle opener talks. I love uh, it. If you crack open a beer, it's it's Homer. He's your like, your dad would probably just buy Spencer's gifts. Oh, dude, he that would is just if become he hit the, lottery, the yeah. CEO yeah. of. That With, company. Without a doubt. He'd be like, everything talks and farts. Look, this is my I got, happy place. All my coffee mugs have boobs on them. <laughs> oh, yeah. He loves stuff like that. <laughs> Anything like that. I remember I bought something like that when we went, we drove to Florida twice in a Chevette. Me and my parents. Oh, oh my Lord. Yeah. Uh, what a and brutal I, ride. I got this thing in Georgia called a Georgia turd bird. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like horse manure nugget with legs and a beak on it. <laughs> I think that's what G.W. Bush called Carl Rove. <laughs> it was bird. like my favorite thing for a long time. Turd bird. <laughs> well, now they have like at the, at the toy stores for kids, uh, my daughters are obsessed. They have this unicorn that you squeeze and it poops like glitter. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of oh, pooping dude. kids' toys and farting games so and many. don't step in the poop. and Yeah, I mean, you know, it's probably in a way embracing poop is probably, I mean, figuratively is probably a better thing than... There's yeah, a... I think it started with the book, Everybody Poops. Yeah, all of a sudden everyone's then after that. overly comfortable with it. Yeah. There's a game, Hot Potato, except it's like a butt, and if you it's have a butt. it... If you have it, fart. when it farts, you lose. Oh, my God. <laughs> what is that called? I forget. 
I'll I'll find out. I, I just got my dad's Christmas present. <laughs> hot butt. Is that what it's called? <laughs> my butt was there, hot. Uh, hot potato. There is a report the Secret Service stopped an ISIS plot to assassinate President Trump. The conservative website One America News Network reported yesterday that ISIS planned to kill Trump during a summit of Southeast Asian countries in Manila last November. The network cites a Secret Service agent who says agents arrested a suspect involved in the plot about 20 minutes before Trump arrived in Manila. Sharon Osborne is revealing the cause of uh, Ozzy's hand infection. She said the 65-year-old got a small cut on his thumb and he then hit his thumb on a door and the whole hand started to swell up which I still don't understand how you got an infection that way but I guess there must have been some ugly germs on the door Uh, he then learned that he contracted two different infections and had to have surgery Ozzy just canceled the rest of the shows on his North American tour last week to recover poor Ozzy I mean this is a guy who used to snort whatever was on the ground Mm-hmm. He's done the most unhealthy things to his body his entire life. And an infection from punching a wall is going to take down, him down. Yeah. Finally, Def Leppard has overtaken Stevie Nicks to lead the fan vote for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's class of 2019 as it enters its second week. As of last night, they had more than 147,000 votes, leading Stevie by 7,000 votes. The Cure is still in third, followed by Todd Rundgren, The Zombies, and Radiohead. Uh, you can vote at rockhall.com, one ballot per day. Top five artists selected by the public will be tallied along with all the other ballots to choose the 2019 inductees, which will be announced in December. Forecast today, rainy, windy, 60 for the high. It's 58 at DVE. Tim Benz is with us right now from uh, Trib Live Sports, also part of the Pittsburgh Steeler pregame here on uh, your home of the black and gold DVE. All right, first off, Benzy, let's talk about the A-B touchdown. You think the Steelers got away with one. Oh, it's a pick. There's no doubt it's a pick. Uh, I just retweeted the rule, actually, because I knew we were going to talk about this, so I had it right in front of my face. The rule, if you don't buy Al Riveron's explanation, which was that the defender initiated contact, we'll get to that in a second, the rule actually reads, it is pass interference by the offense to block a defender beyond the line while the pass is in the air if the block occurs within the vicinity of the player to whom the pass is thrown. Obviously, it was near A-B. That's where Hunter was. Line of scrimmage is the 31 you can freeze frame it. He is touching clearly Tony McRae at the 29 while the ball is in the air. It's a pick. They got away with it. Um, now, if you buy the explanation that Riveron said, and this is where the NFL gets in trouble, in an effort to make up for its officials, yes. they, they create a Pandora's box. They, they open rabbit holes to their own rule book. <laughs> and that's what Riveron did here. Because it... Ask Sterator when he comes on tomorrow. And actually, it's legitimately because he's a basketball guy, too. What's a pick in the NFL? Do you have to make contact for it to be a pick in the NFL? Or is it just kind of getting in the way? Because once you get in the way of the defender, what's the defender supposed to do if he's trying to take a path to the receiver? Hunter gets in his way, so of course McCray's going to make contact. You can't move on a pick in basketball. Can you move on a pick in football? I think the answer is yes. And, and <laughs> <laughs> so that's the Pandora's box that Riveron has opened up with his explanation. They have done this a million times in making up for the yeah. uh, the, the shortcomings of just, their officials yeah. on the field. They they make excuses and distort what really happened. Precisely. And that ends up ma- making trouble for them down the road when it's not applied the same way in another circumstance. I think it's an, in- an inconsistent call. What I saw was McCray initially moving to his right and then back 
toward Hunter, and he brought his arms up first. It's very close. He initiated it, so Hunter is fine as long as he's at the 30-yard line getting in the guy's way. To me, the the foul occurs when he extends it, and he pushed him down to the 25. Okay. I mean, he just... He just drove him. Well, the ball's in the air, and he's contacting him at the 29. It's a pick. If he was called for that, it would have been first and what? Uh, It's 10 yards, I believe. First and 20, so they would have been on the 41, so now it's a 58-yard field goal. And they would have lost a couple seconds. And they would have lost some time. They would have had time for one snap and see if you can get a completion, and they still had a timeout, so they were good there. Yeah. Which is and, part of the reason why I'm not all over Tomlin for not challenging the Connor play. Because he kept his timeouts, which, part, he, yeah. which he pointed out in the uh, in the post game. Thank God we had all three timeouts there. Well, that's you, what Ben said, too. Well, you know, if they had four extra points there, who cares? But we always were, and I was listening to you guys earlier on this, there seems to be this assumption that if he challenges, he wins. I'm not sure he wins that I, challenge. Well, I was asking that earlier. Is there a definitive... I don't think of that. I've been looking for a video all morning. I can't find one. They took their second time out after the touchdown before the two point conversion. So So they had two. They still would have had two. Yes, they still would have had two. But the point is, like, for instance, forget the the pick. If AB is just tackled before he gets in the end zone, you're probably calling a timeout there to stop the clock. And then you probably need one more to get the field goal unit on. Right, so you don't want to have only two going in. You would have needed that third to get the field goal unit on. Okay, so now to the James Conner no call. Well, rather no challenge uh, from Tomlin. Uh, whether or not he should have or shouldn't have, what is the process that the Steelers coaches use there? I thought there was a coach who, you know, or a couple of them looking at it in the booth who go, "Oh, t- challenge it! Throw the flag! Throw yeah, the flag!" That, I didn't see a replay on the scoreboard. Explanation is not. That that's not who re- who you can't possibly re- rely yeah. on the scoreboard from a visiting as a visiting team to give you an angle that is going to make you want to challenge it right and that's a lame explanation because he challenged the Switzer play earlier in the game so right. obviously he feels comfortable on that now maybe they showed more plays on that because the Bengals tackled a guy on third down so the crowd's going crazy because they tackled a guy on third down they're showing a replay <laughs> right but it's got to be beyond the jumbotron you're right yeah. so I don't like their process either and whatever their process is it ain't working do no. you real do you know when the last time Mike Tomlin won a challenge was no. The Miami playoff game. Wow. According to ProFootballReference.com, he is 0 for his last eight on challenge flags. He has lost eight challenges in a row. Now, that's not to say, like, you know, they might have had ones overturned by the booth or an automatic scoring plays, but on plays that he has challenged, he's 0 for his last eight. His last successful one was on a Lev Bell touchdown against the Dolphins in the playoffs. So he actually op- challenged the touchdown. Uh, no, he challenged that Bell did not get in. Yeah. And they... Said that same, he did get in. Same play as Connor. Correct. It was from the one. Now, I, I don't know about you guys. I don't think he got in. I thought that the ball was still outside of the goal I th- line. I think, I think it was on his chest, and if he's horizontal above the goal line, the ball probably fell within the line. Just like it, the parallax and, angle for Patrick But Hornquist. there's no way there's no way to know for sure based on I only saw two angles. Pompiani said he saw four. Here's what I think. I think it was Joe Mixon we're all saying he's down at the one yard line. Oh, I think we're saying you can't overturn yeah, the yeah. call on the field <laughs> right. based right. on that. Well, I think, and here's another thing that came into play there. Don't you think that maybe he was a little scared that if they review the play, 
because Connor lost the ball going across the end zone. They invent some sort of dippy explanation as to why it's a touchback for the Bengals. Didn't he end up? He let it go, and then it bounced around, and then he picked it up again, and then he dropped it again to celebrate with Foster. So uh, who knows what they invent in that context. But uh, the bottom line is he thought he could get a – he didn't want to risk a timeout, thought he could get in on three tries after you snapped the ball from the one-yard line on first and goal. Tomlin did not look relieved, did not look happy in the postgame. He looked pissed. <laughs> he looked like he was going in ready for people to really challenge him on a couple of things there. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I think he was also emotionally spent. Am I right on that? Or was that kind of a big deal Fair. in the postgame I, locker room with Shazier and all that? I didn't that? go to Tomlin's press conference, but I, I think there was a lot of that, to be honest I with think you. something was – it felt to me that there was a big deal made about – Shazier coming back in the post speech. Right. There looked as, to be some wet eyes in as there. As it had to be. All right, yeah, and yeah. At, uh, right. let's get away from what we were uh, getting uh, away with in that game, and let's talk about what they got away with. Vontez Perfect should not be playing next oh, week. Oh, that's part of the reason why I have no sympathy for Cincinnati in any of this. Yeah. I have no sympathy because Vontez Perfect threw an elbow into the head. He Tom Wilson and cleats, like I was saying all day on Twitter yesterday, that was a blow to the head. He was trying to take out AB yeah. with an elbow. So I got no sympathy there. And he was got, being tackled and clearly controlled, and he was just trying to take a... Yeah. Yeah. A flyby. His, it was a flyby. Yeah, get his money's worth. Just like a hockey play, a bad hockey play. So Hit Connor in the head, too. And he took out his own guy. Yeah. He concussed his own guy in Jesse Bates, or close to it. I have no sympathy for Drake Kirkpatrick. That was a hold on Antonio Brown, no doubt about it. He can. Mike doesn't think so. I think it was. I thought that was a hold on AB. I think I it thought, was a hold. They don't they call. Were, I thought they were both hand fighting and play on. And the other one uh, that well, it's more of a quote than a play. For him to say that we're a better team, how do you Dark say? Dark uh, after the game, not Darquez. Uh, Drake Kirkpatrick. Oh, there was, oh, a, Kirkpatrick. There was a couple guys said that. Did Darquez yeah. say that we're a better? How do you say that? Because Kirkpatrick said we've been a better team over the years. What? The Steelers have gotten lucky 18 out of 21 times in your barn? Yeah. Are you kidding me? That's just an asinine explanation. They might have gotten their heads a little bit with that one yesterday. Kirkpatrick. If, if they weren't there already. Kirkpatrick is as much a reason why the Bengals have blown it the last couple of years, more so than Burfecht. He's got like three or four huge penalties that have cost them games at Paul Brown Stadium over the past few years. Uh, well, we had uh, issues with Artie Burns yesterday, who yes. was terrible. And I don't know at this point if the experiment with flip-flopping him is over and they should just go with Cody Sensabaugh or what. But clearly, Artie Burns is regressing. He seems like he's worse than he was in week one of his second year. I would say that's true. Yeah, I think he has... You could tell on that Tyler Boyd play, his confidence is so shot, he just doesn't know which way to go yeah. and he's thinking I should have gone the other way by the time the receiver has passed him he's, I, I think it's a confidence issue James Conner incredible the offensive line should get the game ball for yesterday yeah it was a no sacks on 46 dropbacks for Roethlisberger Mm-hmm. You know, Which everybody was saying before the game, like if Ben throws the ball that many times, that's bad news for the offense because that defensive pass rush is going to get to him. Yeah, I'm, you, I don't know about you, Mike, but I'm used to seeing the Cincinnati Bengals get run all over by the Steelers in Paul Brown Stadium. They do that every time they go there. But when Ben has had to throw, that's when Dunlap gets a little loose, Geno Atkins gets a little loose, Vontez comes through in a blitz. So to see them drop back that many times and have no sacks. And not, not just in those sacks. I didn't see a lot of those Roethlisberger, superhuman, shed guys. Like he, he dropped back. He looked around. If the pressure came, he rolled away from it. But he wasn't. He didn't have guys hanging all over him, and he wouldn't go well, down. They, they kept just, saying on the broadcast, at the end of the game, he's got a clean jersey. They didn't get there. 
And those guys are really good, man. Geno Atkins, you know, maybe Aaron Donald's better than he is, and maybe he isn't, but there ain't anybody else that's better than him as a defensive tackle. Uh, Dunlop gets his hands on footballs. He got close yesterday. He knocks them down. He knocks them out of the quarterback's hands. Uh, The kid that made the play on the third down, the third-round pick from Ohio State, Sam Hubbard, is really good and is an impact player for them. That That was a tremendous offensive line performance. Tim Benz, part of Trib Live Sports. Uh, stick around. You bet. We're going to do uh, sports with Mike Pursuti here. Then the top five plays of the game and a power hour of Steeler talk with the Godfather, Stan Savern, coming up here on your radio home of the Pittsburgh Steelers, 102.5 DVE Sports. All right. Benzie still hanging with us. Mike Pursuta with a recap of yesterday. Steelers win over the Bengals, and uh, boy, right down to the wire. But what else did you expect from Steelers-Bengals in Cincinnati? Yeah, 28-21 Steelers. They're 3-2-1, just a uh, half game behind the Ravens and Bengals, who share first place in the AFC North. And uh, while the Steelers are off this coming uh, week, Cincinnati gets to go to Kansas City. How do you think that's going to turn out? Patrick Mahomes already has 14 on the board. Not too good. Not too good. Steelers uh, surviving uh, a great deal of tumult, as uh, is always the case in Cincinnati, and a lot of emotion this time as well. It was uh, Ryan Shazier's, let's call it triumphant return, to the scene where uh, he suffered that horrific spinal injury last December the 4th. He didn't come back as a player, but he walked onto the field. He uh, helped coach the Steelers linebackers, as he has been doing this season uh, while he's on the injured reserve list, and uh, he walked off the field a winner with the rest of the Steelers. Uh, Ramon Foster said the Steelers didn't bring anything extra into the game because of Shazier's circumstances. No, absolutely not. Uh, it's, it was emotional to see that. I was standing on part of the field where, you know, he, he went down, and I had a thought to myself. But to say there was extra motivation to get a win, to, to do this and do that, not necessarily, man. We, we got to go out there and play football because those emotions can't help you win the game, re- re- respectfully. Yeah, and uh, he's probably got a point. It wasn't win it for Ryan. It's not as if Ryan Chazier, it was a, a football play. He got hurt. Uh, it wasn't anything uh, egregious or out of the ordinary. It just happened. Yeah, I think the, after the fact is where that stuff comes into play, right? How much it meant to them after they won yeah. the game. Because, you know, no no one was going to say, what about the Ryan Shazier factor if they call the pick play and they don't score the touchdown, right? We're not talking about this. but For, Probably not, but uh, a lot of guys talking about it afterwards. Afterwards, and, yeah. And uh, Vince Williams, one of Shazier's close friends on the team, uh, cited uh, Shazier's toughness and strength as ever-present among Steelers. I mean, for me, it just reminds me of the strides that he made. You know, a guy that's going in, grinding every day, rehabbing, you know, just being able to get back and walking again is crazy. And the strength that it really took for him to be able to come back here. I know if it was me, I probably wouldn't have been tough enough to be able to come back here. Guard David DeCastro detailed uh, the myriad of emotions he was dealing with. Yeah, no question. I mean, it's, it's sad, man. Coach Thomas says more than more than life than football, and it's just... I just it's inspiring to see a guy like that. I don't know if I could do the same thing myself. You know, it's 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 I don't know, I'd probably be a hermit and you know, walk away and feel sorry for myself. To see a guy like that come out here and, and be inspiring and be around the guys and help coaching out, I mean it's it's really impressive and you we all draw a lot of energy from that. Yeah, I think there's a lot of merit to that. Insofar as that's why the game meant as much as it did upon victory and probably going into the game itself, but 
you know, are they are they pulling on Ryan? Are they thinking about Ryan when the Bengals are moving down the field when it's twenty one twenty? I don't know about that, but that probably makes the victory all the sweeter that they were able to do it under those circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they they see him every day and they see the yeah. progress he's making and they they know how much it's killing him not to be able to play, but they're they're so touched by his determination to do anything he can besides play. The fact that he's walking again. Yeah. Well, and Vince Williams, who was clearly inspired by him, and, you know, they have a, somewhat of a, a, a compli- not complicated, but, you know, when Shazier was drafted, Vince was kind of like, oh, man, what, what the hell? And uh, then they became buddies, and he was so upset. Caboli, I think it was in The Athletic, wrote about this. He was so upset upon the Shazier injury that they had to kind of smack some sense into him in the locker room at halftime. Like, hey, man, you can't be like this. We need you to be a leader out there right now. And he was like, you know, sobbing uncontrollably upset at the time. So for him to bounce back from an injury and have what was probably one of his best games of the year yesterday. Especially on the heels of everybody praising his backups like exactly. crazy in the lake. Exactly. Saying, wow, yeah. all the, the, the Steeler defense turnaround happened when Vince Williams didn't play. I told you LJ4 was better. Yeah, right. That's tough. So I was a big day for, for uh, Vince. Yeah, it was a big day for all of them. Uh, ben Roethlisberger uh, went a lot of places in his post-game press conference. He was uh, describing that play unfolding before their eyes, the game-winning touchdown, and how they, they sensed that that could happen. He was joking about James Conner being done and going uh, out yeah. with a <laughs> that bang. That was joking. <laughs> uh, due to Le'Veon Bell's uh, supposed uh, upcoming return. Uh, but when Ben Roethlisberger talked about Ryan Shazier, he got uh, well, his voice cracked a little bit, and there was a little water detectable uh, in the eyes. Um, you know, walking off the field um, with him was emotional, um, just because you know, obviously, what what happened and uh, what he means to us and his team. And um, you know, it's uh, I, I mentioned in the prayer afterwards that. Um, we're thankful, you know, obviously um, thankful that he is walking now and doing things. And obviously he's not to where he wants to be and playing football again, but just the fact that he's able to walk and we can see him walk off that field and walk off with him, um, it, it was special. I mean, it, it's this is a place that we'll always remember, um, not just for football, but for life. Yeah, the whole uh, weekend even got to Mike Tomlin a little bit. Uh, he's a guy that uh, likes to portray that image of uh, – being able to handle anything and everything and nothing phases him, nothing gets to him. You just absorb what has happened and respond to it. But uh, there are times when that's uh, tougher to do than others. You know, it's just it's a lot of those moments, man. Um, it was the first home game. It was when we went to a training camp in Latrobe. You know, it, it's, it happens every now and then. Um, some things are bigger than football, obviously. And um, this is one of them. You know, um, Shazier's got a nephew, sorry, a cousin, Nahari Crawford, on the Duquesne football team. He's a very good player, returner, wide receiver, one of their better players, maybe their best player. And whenever he can, if he's not traveling, like it was it was tearing him up that he couldn't go see Crawford play against Robert Morris this weekend because of the travel. Like he's there all the time supporting him. So when he's not rehabbing and trying to get better himself, he's watching his cousin play. You know, he's... He's a really dedicated guy. I like Shaz- I always like Shazier long before the injury, and it's you know everybody wants to you know go back and look at it now and, and shower him with praise for this, that, and the other thing. But I, I've always liked the guy. I, I was I was always a big Shazier fan before the injury. 
He was always a pretty decent interview, too. It was, it was fun when he came on the show. Yeah, no, he was, uh, and he's a, really engaged in that process as a player, and he was doing a lot of the same things. He's and genuine, is what In terms of his leadership, uh, Labs made a great point on the pregame uh, yesterday. He was starting to acquire a James Farrier presence about him in, in terms of his knowledge and understanding of everything that's going on and the, the rest of the players kind of gravitating to him and looking to him to be the guy. Mm-hmm. And he was he was that guy, and he's still trying to be that guy. Yeah, you kind of look at it like from a college point of view. You see a guy come on campus as a freshman or a sophomore, and you say, oh, "This guy's captain potential somewhere down the way." I always thought that about Shazier. I always thought that you know this is a guy that wears the C someday. No doubt. Thing. It was uh, it was very interesting to hear the way Shazier talked about going back to that hospital yesterday and in speaking with them, how he thinks about it and why it's still tough for him. No, it really makes me feel good just to actually come back because I, it's been kind of hard. Uh, even I haven't even gone back to UPMC yet because, you know, going back there and here is kind of, I'm not going to say it's taking me to a dark place, but it's just, it's kind of scary sometimes. So I'm actually happy to be here and just see everybody's face and just, just, uh, just I just want to let you guys know I'm doing really well and just thankful. That's great. Yeah, thank yeah you. I don't think you can ever accurately assess how big of a toll this has taken on his life. The physical aspect, the mental aspect, it seems to have fundamentally changed him as a person, and how couldn't it? Um, but that was some heavy stuff yesterday. He's got uh, a hell of a human spirit. Yeah. When you got to get that far back, like you know what you were. And when you have that far back to go, it probably, like you said, there's a dark place. Sometimes you feel like you go to it feels daunting because he still wants to get back to being the four three forty guy, you know. And who knows yeah. if that could ever happen? But that probably is why he feels like he still gets spun into that dark place that he referenced. But you have to also think how far he's come and how many people could even get back to walking in the manner that he is walking right now. And you have to see that as a major victory, even if you don't get all the way across to that finish line that he's talking about. Chip Live Sports, Tim Benz. Uh, quickly, how much hate did you get from Cincinnati? I saw they featured you on uh, Friday as Pittsburgh columnist says he guarantees personal... Oh, because the uh, tweet from Bovada? Yeah. Yeah, because Bovada put out the odds that uh, Vrantes Burfik would get a personal foul penalty, and they said plus 225. I said, he's been fined $3.8 million. I would bet $3.8 million. Yeah. And you know what? I didn't get much from Cincinnati. So either people aren't reading the Inquirer or they agree with me. Yeah, it's I, one or the other. I think it's the latter. Tim hey, Benz. Oh, real quick. Uh, Southern Tier, Saturday, uh, noon until 3. I'm going to be there for Animal Protectors of Allegheny Valley. Uh, come on out. Great beers. During the Great Pumpkin Festival, for crying out loud. Oh, nice. The Monster Pumpkin Festival. How can you not want to do that on the North Shore? Noon until three. Top five plays of the game when we come back. Stan Saverin with a power hour of Steelers talk on. The- yeah, it's your home with the Pittsburgh Steelers. 102.5 DVE. Randy Bauman along with Bill Crawford, Val Porter, Mike Prasuda. And oh, what a game it was yesterday. And uh, isn't it always. Nothing like the old AFC North, is there? <laughs> isn't it always a stressful one? When I mean, you- those Patriots games are always a big deal. And now Jacksonville's kind of trying to force its way into prominence. But. Not bar fight. Nothing like the AFC North. Top five plays of the game. At number five, Mike, Juju robs Darquez Denard of an interception and flips over into the end zone down at the one in what is uh, one of the more remarkable catches you'll ever see. Long count for Roethlisberger. Steps. Rainbow. Battle for it. Oh, Smith Schuster comes away with it for the touchdown. Fantastic. 
They're going to mark him short at the one. Yeah, he went right over the top of Darquez Denard. Right around his helmet. Pins the ball to the helmet and bounces off of Denard into the end zone. They're going to say he's down inside the one. Was he? Yeah, if you bounce on your head and then end up in the end zone, they should give it to you, is my opinion, Mike. Kind of same as when you twist your body and stay elevated long enough to get to the goal line. Which brings us to our number four play of the game. This should probably be higher, but it's a nice segue. James Conner down at the goal line. Was it like a 21-yard run? 29, I think. 29. Was he in? Wasn't he in? Well, coach didn't uh, didn't challenge this one, but he probably should have. First down for the Steelers. Connor down the sideline. Connor spills to the goal line. Let's see how close he gets here. Boy, that is so close. I- yeah, it was twenty-five. Tough to not incredible. Uh, Pouncey getting out, leading it. Boy, he had a couple yesterday that were just outstanding. Is that the one where he, he pulled out and and oh yeah. They were running the football. They really were. Great job on the offensive line yesterday. At number three, and we might have pushed this ahead of that Connor run just for sentimental reasons. Because Vance Ditka? Is that what this It's Vance Ditka. <laughs> A twenty six yard catch, stiff arm plow through the defense. This was the kind of stuff we were talking about that happened last year. James Connor had a run during this game where he ran over and actually knocked out one of the guys. Uh which uh which which D-back was that from uh, Cincinnati that James Conner ran right through? Last year? No, just yesterday. Oh, uh, 36, Sean Williams. Yeah, Williams. Uh, Vance McDonald earlier in the game laying this one out. Steps up, waits, throws the check down. That's McDonald running up the field, breaks a tackle, breaks another. 40, 45, they take a ride to the 50. (laughs) This guy is amazing. (laughs) Tunch is just giggling. They went through perfect. He went through Williams. Had a couple guys on his back at the end. He was mm-hmm. still going. Yeah. Guy runs like the defense owes him money. You know what I'd heard like about this guy train. when they acquired him was he could get down the seam. He had the speed. I, nobody told me he was uh, Mike Ditka reincarnated. The power that he has displayed so far is what he did I in mean, Tampa yesterday. Steeler fans love stuff like this. Eat it up. Love it. Number two. Boy, is Juju having a year. With a minute and change left in the game, the Steelers get the ball and have to go down the field. And you're thinking, all right, we got to get into field goal range to win this game. And then it's shaky because Boz, he hasn't exactly been there for us this year. He, last year, five times we counted on him to get us out of the stadium, as Mike Tomlin said. And would he have to do it again? Juju gave him that chance with this 23-yard reception from Ben Roethlisberger. Then in the shotgun from his 46. Protector to his left and Connor. He's back. He fires it down the field. It's caught at the 35. Down to the 32 comes Juju Smith-Schuster. And that stops the clock at 15 seconds with the Steelers' timeout. What a huge play that takes. And I believe that was on third and 10. Well, no, that was right after the uh, The holding. The holding penalty. Oh, the holding was on third and 10. But Ben Roethlisberger made sure he pointed out in his post game that he got that ball just over Vontez Perfect. Oh, Schuster. Uh, they blooped it. Vontez Perfect did not have a great day yesterday. They took advantage of his, uh, well, he was out of shape. Yeah. yeah. 
He's his just douchebaggery. But yeah. he's not fat. Uh, he's not. Just just asked him. He'll tell you. He's not fast either. <laughs> but Antonio Brown is, and that's your number one play of the game because how could it not be? Somehow, eighty four at the end of the game ends up with a hundred yards. Juju had a hundred plus. AB had a hundred plus. Ben with three sixty nine passing. Connor with over a hundred yards rushing on the day yesterday, and they still had to squeak it out with ten seconds left. Thanks to Antonio Brown. Ben in the gun, 15 seconds to go. The Steelers have a timeout left. Blitz is coming. All and here it comes. Blitz. And a quick pop over the middle, running free. That's Antonio. 10 5. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. You gotta be here. Oh, baby. Unbelievable. Listen to the Pittsburgh fans. Oh, man. How many Steeler Going fans nuts. are there? Ton, like usual. But, Mike, everybody saw that blitz coming. And number seven had time. He audibles. He points everyone in the right direction. All right. We got this set. Ready? Boom. Catch. How do you describe it? Catch the snap. Deliver the ball. And let it happen. Sit back and watch. AB runs to daylight and the Steelers win. We wouldn't have to rely on Boz getting over the yips. Though that might have been nice in a way. Well... If he makes it, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I'm okay with having it not come to that. The downside of that could have been potentially damaging. He's not over it yet, yeah. But we will never know. We won't have to find out. There's your top five plays of the game: is the Steelers yeah. beat. He's good on that. Oh, he didn't even kick the extra. No, point. he didn't they kick they the extra point. Two. They went for two and got it, which was a nice little icing on the cake there. Not that they were going to easily score with ten seconds left, but just taking away the. The possibility. When you were watching the game and the Bengals scored, did you think too much time? Yeah. I did not. I was just angry. (laughs) No, because I knew all we needed was a field goal. I thought at that point it would come down to a field goal attempt. Yep. How far of a field goal would it be? Well, I didn't care how far it was going to be. I wasn't sure. I think that's still a little bit of an issue. You were asking in the post game, Mike, what happens there? Ben goes over to Danny Smith and says, so "How far?" Yeah, yeah. And he said the thirty-two yard line. I think on TV they had it at the thirty-five. I think they put those field goal lines based on a guy's career long, which is not necessarily. A no, I mean the kick. conditions uh, yesterday seemed to uh, fluctuate pretty wet. Yeah, it was. It was. People bad. had a hard time holding on to the ball in the first half. At least Joe Hayden and AJ Green did. <laughs> yeah, and Juju had a little and bit Juju. of dropsies. But they both came up big in in the second half. Big time. Big time. Thank God for Joe Hayden. (laughs) Man. All right. So there you go. Steelers, three, two, and one, and two weeks to collect themselves and get set for more AFC North football. Browns, Ravens, back-to-back. Yeah, Cleveland and then at Baltimore. Still a lot of work to do. The Godfather, Stan Saverin, Hall of Famer. Pittsburgh sports casting legend. Did I mention Kansas City is hosting Cincinnati? You did. Yeah. You did. You don't like their chances. Anybody see Springsteen last night? Springsteen being Mahomes. Yeah, he didn't beat Tom Brady, but he put up 40. Mick Jagger was a little bit better. He's the future. Tom Brady's still the present, unfortunately, for everybody still in the present. Well, Steeler fans are usually in the past, Mike, so... (laughs) Stan Saverin next, DB. Remember that Steelers cruise that I was going to 
Bill wanted get, to get married get on the Steeler married cruise. On? What? <laughs> well, there was a Steeler cruise, and I go, I'll it's get every married year. on that cruise. <laughs> and Randy's like, why would you do that? And I'm like, because... Why wouldn't I, I do that? I mean... I, <laughs> What's a better story? I get married at Phipps Conservatory or, you know, Franco marries us. I'm like, this is a way better story. But I just remember leading up to that, I think Heinz Ward was getting on the boat and he had like a pool raft. He's like, I'm not, I don't know. You know, if this ship <laughs> I sinks, go I got, I'm, I'm coming prepared. I'm like, that's not going to work. That's He's good. like, I saw Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just one None of them word. brought noodles. That's why. <laughs> I'd have been Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It went down to the wire in Cincinnati yesterday. Five seconds to go. Bengals down by seven. First and ten at their own 38. Dalton in the gun. Here's the Steelers blitz. He's back. Scampers waits. Throws it long down the near sideline. And the pass will be incomplete. And there are zeros on the clock. And the Pittsburgh Steelers came in here as a slight underdog and proved their mettle with a game-winning drive that covered 77 yards. The last 31, a work of art for Antonio Brown. And Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. They win 28-21 after a two-point conversion yesterday in Cincinnati. They just dominate. All the time. Val, can you help uh, Stan uh, fix that? That's a, a That's little... all right. I don't want to hear myself anyway. No. I make myself sick. Yesterday, <laughs> oh, after letting the, bra- or the Bengals go all the way down the field and take the lead, when they had stopped them most of the game, there were really two drives where they just zoomed down the field on them. One at the end of the first half, which was a real backbreaker going into the uh, locker room at halftime because the Bengals were getting the ball back. Thanks to the kickoff return. Which What was going on there? Was that Boswell just not hitting it or Danny Smith calling for uh, uh, you know a high, shorter kick to try and trap him inside the 20? Well, I really think that they've changed your philosophy on that, and they're not the only ones. Uh, yeah, you can kick it out of the end zone, um, but I think the, the statistics show that very few people are able to get the ball past the 25. So they're kicking it higher and f- actually forcing the return. And most teams, at least the percentages say, are going to start inside the 25 as opposed to outside. I think I've seen a lot of teams do that. Actually, I, New England began doing that last year. Guskowski mm-hmm. uh, was hitting the ball you know, up in the air rather than booming it out of the end zone. Uh, so I mean, if that was it. Uh, as I looked at it, th- that wasn't the issue. The issue was people were getting blocked. The second one in the second half, uh, Anthony Ciccolo and Terrell Edmond just flat out missed tackles, and you can't do that. That's not a matter of strategy. That's a matter of execution. All right. James Conner has his second 100-yard game in a row. Uh, it's third of the season. Nobody has that many in the NFL. Uh, he's got another couple of touchdowns. I think he's only two touchdowns away from Le'Veon's total of all of last year. Uh, and that's going to be a situation they're going to have to deal with if Lev does come back as he had uh, promised. What do you do with the two of them? But, uh, boy, good problem to have. James Conner ran like Le'Veon, it looked like to me, yesterday. He had that, that power sort of run. He's protecting the ball and still running through guys. He wasn't afraid of the contact and was able to get a lot of yak yesterday there, Stan. They punished the Bengals. Uh, they physically beat up the Bengals, uh, which is what I think leads the Bengals to overreact. It's not enough mm-hmm. for them to try to beat... I'm serious. 
it's not enough for the Bengals to beat the Steelers. They want to show that they are at least as, if not more, physical than the Steelers' reputation, which, of course, really dates back 60 years. Mm -hmm. They weren't very good, but, you know, they didn't beat you, but they did beat you up back in those days in the 50s and 60s. And then, of course, the 70s, not only were they the dominant team in the NFL, but they were punishing. I mean, they whacked you around. And the Bengals not only want to win the game, but they want to from an image standpoint, say, we're just as tough as you are, and it really always gets down to a who's your daddy, and they they overreact. That's why, you, and of course they've got some bad actors over there, yes, they do. but that's why you see that kind of behavior, because they're trying to prove you think you're the tough guy on the block, no, we're the tough guy on the block. Coach Tomlin spoke uh, to the uh, the physicality in this series. Man, we're humbled to be a part of this series. Um, we respect it. We realize it's good for the game of football. And you just saw why it's good for the game of football. Uh, it's two teams, man, competing their tails off, man, for 60 minutes and, and, and fighting uh, for a lot of things. Uh, keep it real simple today, though, is victory. And uh, we were able to get that done. Yes, and as Coach said. Man, that's big time AFC North football. It really was uh, once again, but it it's so funny how these teams retain their identity for so long. It looks like the same guys year after year, the <laughs> same characteristics, same makeup, and Vontez Perfect back at it again with another dirty shot. How did he not get kicked out of the game? How doesn't the NFL have a policy where if the refs don't catch something during the play, but it's obvious on replay that somebody's targeting and doing something outside of the bounds of the game. Someone in New York goes, Hey, uh, 58, eject them. I think that they're loath to do that because they don't want to inject more replay than they already have. And then you kind of get a big, da- you know, big daddy's watching eye in the sky. Yeah. Um, the, the, the question I had about that was, and I, I'm sure it's going to be reviewed, um, I wouldn't be shocked if nothing happens, uh, but I'll be PO'd if nothing happens. It was an obvious attempt to injure. It's not mm-hmm. part of the play. My question was this. They make Antonio Brown go to the sideline to go to the tent because he received a hit to the head. But there was no penalty on the play. Right. How did that happen? Did Tinker Bell fly down and tap him <laughs> on the helmet yeah. and say, "Oh, you've got a headache. Go out of the game." Uh, you helmet. know, that was Bates, the safety, yes. who also had to go out of the game because it was a helmet to helmet. Now, we were talking about on the post-game show, Charlie said, "Well, you know, Antonio Brown was they may have considered him a runner, runner at that point." Um uh, Helmet to helmet is helmet to helmet. Yes. I don't care what you're doing. Right. Uh, so, but be that as it may, um, it, we've all seen the video. It was an obvious attempt. Uh, he actually, I think he actually missed A.B.'s helmet. I think he caught him uh, upper shoulder. But be that as it's a matter of intent. And with his history, uh, I'm anxious to see what happens. How long, and I'll make this a central story of the game, But because you know the truth of the matter is? Vontez Burfick got his ass kicked. All kicked. Physically. The Castro Pouncey buried him. Vance McDonald buried him. James Conner buried him. So he was not a factor in the game. I think he's highly overrated to begin with. Uh, but I, I, with his history, and they look at that film, it's a matter of intent. Well, a lot of people were pointing out yesterday, Stan, that T.J. Watt could find $20,000 for his <laughs> supposed hit. On the quarterback last week, what is he going to get for this? Because this is highly questionable at best. So if they fine him, 
It has no effect. Quite obviously, it has no effect. So either one of two things is happening. Either he is the Tom Wilson of the NFL, or Tom Wilson uh, is the Vontez Perfect of the (laughs) NHL. Uh, One of the two. Uh, And maybe it's time. Tom Wilson has a Stanley Cup ring. He does, yeah. right. This guy's never won a playoff <laughs> That's game. That's right. And ne- has never beaten the Steelers. Yeah, uh, perfect. He's got a bag of onion rings but he got, at his house. <laughs> I think Gene Collier wrote a terrific column today um, talking about without getting involved in the stuff that's happened in the past with knockout shots and that sort of thing, the Steelers were much more physical. Uh, we could talk a lot about, um, to me, one of the main things, for the second game in a row, Ben is completely clean. If it wouldn't have been for the rain, they wouldn't even have to dry clean his uniform. Yeah. Totally clean. And here's what I found really, I think, indicative of how much they dominated. Uh, that offensive line was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, you've got two really good defensive linemen. Here's what you got out of Carlos Dunlap yesterday. Two tackles, two assists. And here's the big one. Geno Atkins, who was tied for the league lead in sacks, zero tackles, one assist. Maybe um, his fat ass landed on somebody. You get an assist. Uh, and and their leading tackler was the strong safety, Bates. You don't want that. Right. No, you never do. Don't, don't you want think that. That, that the offense is finally dedicating itself to the run? Because in the, in the games that we've seen them do that, they have success. Well, part of the issue is that you know, in in a couple of those games, they've been behind by so much twenty one nothing, fourteen nothing. I don't think you have to abandon the run, but there's a tendency to do that, and I think that's part of the problem. In fact, I would look at Cincinnati, and Joe Mixon was averaging averaged five point something per eight per carry, and what did he end up with? Eleven carries for the game. That you know, they he was hurting them. Yeah, uh, and and they stopped running the ball, and of course, it was a tight game all the way. Uh, the offensive line really rebounding from criticism early in the year. The last couple of efforts have been spectacular. Coach yep. talked about that post game. Man, they did an awesome job. You know, man, Dunlap and Atkins and company. Uh, we talked about them at the top of the week. Um, there's a reason why that group's four and one of coming into this game, and that front has got a lot to do with it. We've been in some real battles with them, and can't say enough about you know Al and and Gilbert and company. You know, we had some some alleys in the run game as well, and I thought that that was critical in terms of us being in manageable third downs where those guys don't get an opportunity to make the type of splash that we've seen them make at the end of recent games, like, you know, the game in Miami, for example. Uh, you got to stay on schedule versus these guys. It's advantage to them when you're not, and um, so there's a lot of reasons why to be excited about the efforts of the men up front. Coach Tomlin, not without uh, his own critics uh, after this performance, what did you make of the decision to not challenge the Connor run, uh, which was called uh, down on the uh, goal line there? One thing about the offensive line, I I thought Marquise Pouncey has had the best game he's had. Not that he's had bad games, but I I just thought he stood out. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I really thought he had a fantastic game. Um, the you know when when Switzer uh, caught the third down pass, I immediately made a note questionable spot. But then when I saw the first replay, I said no, uh, you know there's no way um, the Connor thing should have been challenged. But I want to point something out. Ultimately, the head coach is responsible for that. But there are two factors, not to excuse it. It should have been challenged. But there are two factors when you are on the road, and there's a call that might be going against the home team. 
they're not putting it up on the scoreboard. Right. So that being oh, the right. case, he has to rely on the coaches in the box upstairs. They have access to the same replays, if not more, than we see on television. Uh, he's getting some bad advice. He First of all, he's on the opposite sideline, and the Connor play, right, is in the corner of the end zone. Same thing with Switzer. It was on the opposite uh, end. So he's got to rely on the Eye coaching in the, sky. In the box. Eye in the sky. Uh, it's the same thing as if Clint Hurdle or any baseball manager wants to challenge a call. They have guys who are back there in the clubhouse in the video machine, and the same thing with the Penguins. Kevin Socher, he's back there, and he tells Mike Sullivan, hey, I think that guy was outside, or hey, the puck didn't go in, whatever it is. So, um, you know, Tom's getting that call. I, I, Yeah, but we don't know the process by which Tomlin arrives at whether or not to challenge. It seems like it's flawed. Um, Tim Ben's last hour pointing out they have lost their last eight challenges. Yeah. Well, again, either he is making knee-jerk reactions or he's getting bad advice from upstairs. Some, because some people thought he was gun-shy, though, after losing in that Switzer one. Well, there are two facts, two factors. Question, was he gun-shy about doing it again? And the second part of it, which I think is perfectly understandable, you got the ball first and goal at the six-inch line, for God's sake. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget mm-hmm. that, too. And he's, he probably figures, hey... We're going to pound this in anyway. Right. Now, whether that's a, you know, a legitimate theory on his part, but come on. And they ended up, you know, nothing on first down. Of course, you have to pass on second down. Mm-hmm. Then they lose yardage on the run. So, you know, maybe that wasn't a good idea. But I, I think that that was definitely, you know, worth a challenge. Uh, and again, the only other theory could have had maybe – too close to call. They called it a non-touchdown, so you have to have, you know, these, oh, everything, you know every conclusive. announcer has conclusive evidence and all that kind of stuff. He may have been concerned about that. But again, he has to rely on the people upstairs. He can't see. When everybody gets all flustered in the first half of these games when A.B. has, you know, three targets, one catch, are we failing to recognize that that just means Juju is lighting it up because he is having a ridiculous year. That's the one thing that I wish A.B. would realize when he throws mm-hmm. these tantrums. That That's the whole point of it, at least my point of it. Uh, sure, he wants to catch the ball. And I don't think it's because he wants to uh, burnish his reputation or his stats. Guys like him in any sport, they want the ball. Right. Michael Jordan wanted the ball. LeBron wants the ball. Sid wants the puck on his stick. They honestly believe that they are good enough and better than the other guy that they will win the game. So, I mean, I get that part. But also, there's a team concept here, too. That's absolutely right. Uh, if he's getting doubled, sometimes tripled, that means Juju's open. By the way, they opened it up now with Vance McDonald. They've been looking for that third weapon. I think they were hoping it would be James Washington. It's Hasn't not. been. Hasn't been. Um, he's a rookie. Still, uh, Vance McDonald, that's the guy that they thought they were getting when they fourth-round pick. Really? I mean, he hmm. th- that was the best tight end performance. And I know Jesse James had some you know pretty good games. That's the best performance by a Steeler tight end since Heath retired, yes. I think. Yeah, I, it looks, I agree. He and, runs so angry. He's, he's awesome a, to he's watch. He's a big boy. He gets open. He's got great hands. Just a matter of keeping him healthy. Mike Pasuda rejoins us when we come back from this commercial break. Stan Savern in our Power Hour of Steelers talk. A bye week ahead and then more NF, or AFC North football with the 
Browns and then the Ravens. That was a huge win for a team that hopefully is continuing to get better each week. We're the same team with the same warts, trying to get better. Um, but it's, it's, it's more fun to do that with a W. Well, the Bengals are our compound W. <laughs> Who's your daddy? We're able to shave off some of them warts. It's like, uh, yeah, we still have warts, but they're not in places that we don't want to talk about anymore. Here's what I think ought to happen in Cincinnati. I mentioned this on the postgame show. I, When the Bengals lose yet another game like that to the Steelers, I think that they should make them, in full uniform after the game, ride the Escaloozer down with the fans. So the fans can jeer them and boo them. They should have to go to the top and ride all the way down. I like and it. And presumably just go right in the river. Because that's what they do. They go right in the tank. Might as well go in the drink. DVE Sports. Well, uh, yesterday, James Conner had another huge day. Tonight, he'll be on DVE from 7 to 8, along with Craig Wolfley. At the Giant Eagle Market District in Robinson from 7 to 8 p.m. on DVE Chalk Talk with James Conner and Craig Wolfley at Giant Eagle Market District in Robinson, 7 to 8 tonight on DVE. Oh, it's going to be packed. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be packed. Well, look, you know. A lot of James Conner fans. Le'Veon Bell is watching the games because he texts uh, James afterwards, or tweets rather, damn, James, and then does the the, muscle emoji, bicep curl emoji. And then James Conner tweets back at Lev, been watching them L Bell tapes. And then he put two of those emojis there. I can't believe we're talking about this. But <laughs> if their Twitter emoji uh, uh, correspondence tells us anything, it's that 26 is probably coming back, Mike. I agree with you. I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> it, Seriously, no, I, it, it, it means nothing to, to no one. What the tweets? Yeah, it's the president's uh, uh, tweets constantly, and it's actually like constitutionally. He's either going to show or he's not. I don't impactful. think anybody can point to anything and say no. one thing or the other is going to happen because of this. Hey, who it, knows what he's thinking? I do because he put an emoji um, on a tweet. That must be it, <laughs> Mike. If you're not reading through the emoji, I'm not. Then what are you doing? Well, Ben seemed to uh, think that that was Connor's last game. He did. Sports this hour <laughs> brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Uh, we'll get to that in a second, but uh, let's talk about the defense for a second. You know, they gave up 275 yards yesterday. Unfortunately, 75 of them occurred on the drive that began <laughs> with 332 remaining and the Steelers trying to protect a six-point lead. Joe Hayden thought that was the time for the defense to do it. After the defense didn't do it, he was hoping Ben Roethlisberger would. Oh, I was sick. I was sick to my stomach. Um, I felt like, you know, we were talking about before we went out to there, making sure that, you know, that it's on us. It's on us. It's time for us to get the stop. And uh, we didn't get it. So, you know, that was definitely uh, not a good feeling. He was the 118. All right, let's go, Ben. Please. <laughs> but a quarterback like Ben and, you know, with talent like A.B. and Juju, they're anytime they get the ball in their hands. Like the same thing with A.J., they can take it the distance. Let's go, Ben. Please. Please, I was saying the same thing. That was disturbing to me from a standpoint of trying to evaluate the Steelers' defense and see what they actually are capable of doing. And if you do it all game and then you don't do it in the critical point of the game, what's the point? Mm -hmm. That just can't happen. They got a real problem at corner opposite. 
Joe Hayden because Artie Burns is going south faster than the birds in the wintertime. And they need Artie Burns. You know, they really, as you pointed out, I mean, they played really well. You know, a couple of those kickoff returns didn't do them any favors. No, but I did look it up. You're allowed to stop them if they get the ball at midfield. No question. Um, but I mean, by and large, um, if, you, if you would have told me that the Steelers would give up 21 points before the game, I'd say, take that's it. okay. Yeah. I'll take that, in, you know, in a heartbeat. You know, their offense is productive uh, in this day and age. I think, frankly, the Bengals did them a favor by not running Joe Mixon more than they, they did. But you're right, Mike. If you're going to be a championship team, um, 75 yards away, you got to make a play. Someone's got to make a play. Then again, you look at the Patriots last night. They were smart enough to give up about a 75-yard touchdown just so they could get the ball back <laughs> and grind it down. It's all part of the plan. You know what? It. This is going to sound ridiculous. It might start having to be a part of the plan, the way the NFL's going now. Can anybody stop anybody? When you're talking about these... Elite offenses, like that pickup basketball game they played in New England last night. 40-43. Can we really take... I mean, if you're Kansas City, do you score on one play and give them the ball back, or do you try to matriculate it down the field, to quote the great Hank Stram, and do it that way? Well, the announcers last night were saying, oh, they should try to get one more playoff before the two-minute warning, and I'm thinking, why? They should be trying to drain the clock and score at the last minute. And this is contrary to logic. I mean, Marvin Lewis has taken a lot of crap today because the Bengals scored too quickly and gave the Steelers too mm-hmm. much. you got to score when you, you get score, score, right? I score. mean, it's not a guarantee, but... I just wonder, they, I realize that gone are the days of defense wins championships in the NFL. I understand that. But when I look at New England and Kansas City, and we know about Kansas City's defense, can they really be considered a legitimate Super Bowl contender, not only playing bad defense, but in essence playing no defense? Well, the Patriots gave up 40 at home last night, and everybody's talking about their back. I guess. It's it's outscore them, though. It's it's outscore, you know. Yeah, but that doesn't mean like, oh, Artie Burns is fine. All we have to do no, is outscore him. It doesn't, but it just it puts so much pressure on the offenses. Yeah, because I mean, look at Jacksonville. Look at how many points they're coughing up now. That was one of the premier defenses in the league. Oh, <laughs> I hated seeing Jalen Ramsey do that yesterday. I, I, after the game, just being uh, kind of a snot about things. I like that guy's trash talk, and I like those gotta, kinds of guys in the league. You got to back it up when you, you gotta, lose. You got to. Yeah. You got to go. We, hey, yes, we got no, our ass I don't kicked. know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah, their, carriage is, their carriage is rapidly turned into a pumpkin. You think that's One it, hit huh? wonders. Yeah, you might be right about that, Stan. Well, it was a different kind of game at Paul Brown Stadium yesterday. The AFC North games uh, often are, and it was, uh, as Stan pointed out, a battle of who was going to be more physical, and the Steelers were clearly that team. Uh, ben Roethlisberger thought they were able to feed off their physicality all game long. There were a lot of plays like that tonight. Um, I know on one sideline, Vance broke a tackle by Perfect, and then other guys, and James was breaking tackles. That that gets guys going. You know, it, it gets you juiced up that guys are being physical, and um, it, it's a lot of fun to see. Guys aren't going to quit on plays, and and James I thought was was he was a bowling ball today. He was all over the place. What a great game, but. You know, I know it's his last game for us, so because um, later it's coming back. But I thought he did well in his last one. I like that. That sent, I think that's giving Love a shot, and I like it. Trust me, if Le'Veon Bell comes back in shape, and 
the Le'Veon Bell All Pro that he's been, they'll get him in the games. Were you shocked at how out of shape Vontez Perfect is? I mean, no, he I was play the week sucking wind on the side. Yeah. He was dying during the game. He had his hands on his hips, his head up in the air in the third like he quarter. Was about to throw up. Well, you don't just come back and pick up where you left off. I mean, well, we're going to see that with twenty six, well, which is why this James Conner emergence is such oh, a good development for the absolutely, Steelers. Absolutely, but I mean, it'll take some time. But it's better to have two than one. They're better with the both of them. No doubt. That's you know, What if Connor gets hurt? I mean, I'm not suggesting they don't need LaBelle. I'm just okay. saying it makes the transition easier. Yes, it should. It should. You sprinkle him in there as he is capable, whatever load he's capable of handling, and if he proves that he deserves the ball a little more, you give it to him a little more. In the meantime, you give it to Connor. Yeah, That's they're, been they're my better only concern. They're, they're, I mean, you cannot argue that. Let's not forget how great a player he was. They don't have to start him immediately like they did last year mm-hmm. because they didn't know what they had in James Conner. Uh, now they realize they've got a complete back. And I offered this suggestion to Charlie Batch yesterday, and he said it's entirely possible. I think you could see some sets where you would see both of them in the game. They have not developed. James Washington has not developed into that third wide no. receiver. You could see both of them in the game. And they're not giving up on James Washington. He's a rookie. But you could see James Conner lining up in the backfield and Lev Bell, as he often does, line up wide. He's that good mm-hmm. where he actually can run patterns like a wide receiver. I didn't get a good enough look at the uh, the target to Washington yesterday. Was that a battle catch possibility there no, for it him? definitely was, and he wasn't in the game after that, was he? Justin Hunter was in for the last drive. Because those are the catches he has to make. And if Ben is going to throw so, it in traffic, you better put a better put a pretty big effort in. That's his deal. Go get yeah. that ball, right? That's what he does. Right. Um, yeah, I was surprised to see Hunter in the game at that point. Yeah. To be involved. Well, thank God he was because he set up the touchdown. By making the illegal Okay, let's talk, let's 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 go over that really quick of, here. This uh, We haven't uh, talked about it this hour with Stan. Stan, <laughs> your take on pick Ghazi. <laughs> the rule is there are two factors involved here. Uh, number one, there is no pick if the contact occurs within one yard past the line of scrimmage. There's a one-yard grace period. So the ball was on the 31. Yes. So he can chuck them to the 30. Right. If you look at it, that's exactly where the contact occurred. But maybe the bigger issue in this particular case is that the DB initiated the contact. If the def- Now, if you go out and strike the defensive back, then you could be guilty of a, a, a pick call if it's past the one yard. But in this particular instance, if you watch, who was that, McCray? Tom um, McCray. He initiated the contact. So that takes the pick play off because he initiated the contact. So on both counts, it was a legal play. I still don't think you're allowed to drive him five yards down the field and, and block him while the ball's in the air. But uh, we'll see what Gene says tomorrow. Well, listen, Al Riveron. He owed us one. He's never wrong. He's never wrong. Al never wrong. Al River wrong. Um, <laughs> tweeted out yesterday. By the way, the first time that he's ever said anything that helped the Steelers, uh, tweeted out yesterday in a video uh, and said that this is a legal play and explained exactly why. Think that was this is Al Riveron. And we're going to discuss an interesting play today that happened in the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game. We're watching this defender right here as he is going to contact that receiver. We watch in pre-snap number 84, goes back in motion. And when he does that, the defender comes up, 
slides outside as you just saw, and then immediately after the ball is snapped, he's going to make contact. And then there's contact downfield as they both go downfield. However, the contact is initiated by the defender, and therefore the receiver is not responsible for this contact, and the contact continues. Just when the ball is caught by 84, there's still contact, but the contact is initiated by the defender, therefore this is not OPI. So that's my, my, my question on this would be if... It's McCray who makes the contact. Is it carte blanche to block him all the way downfield? Because he does yeah. keep an uh, you know an arm on him, pushing forward over the twenty nine yard line. Yeah, I think McCray initiated it, but I don't think you're allowed to keep pushing him down. So the it's kind of sticky. Well, yeah, but let's look at it from the defensive back standpoint. Here's the rule: we know you're allowed one chuck within a five yard, right? And then after five yard, you can't touch him unless. The contact remains consistent. If the contact, in other words, if I'm a defensive back, I get my chuck in, but I am keep contact with that guy all the way down the field, I'm allowed to do that as long as I'm, I'm, I'm contacting him all the way down the field. Now, if you separate, then you can't touch him again. Stan Saverin with us here on the DVE Morning Show. Going to take a quick break and come back. I uh, want to remind you, the Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week, Jose Antonis in Mount Lebanon, 225 Bud Light, 20-ounce drafts. During all Steeler games, Jose Antonis in Mount Lebo is your Bud Light Game Day Bar of the Week. we got two weeks until the Browns, and uh, that'll be on October 28th, a 1 o'clock game. Any chance they move that up? Probably not, right? I'll keep that at 1 o'clock. I hope. Yeah. I just feel like it's good TV. I don't I'm know. wondering Steelers about the Baltimore game. It's a night game right now, isn't it? Everything I see listed is 1 o'clock. I can't. I'm just thinking about the bye week. Yes. <laughs> the Baltimore it, game? Yeah. That says 1 o'clock. Yeah. A pretty cool concert that announcement would be, for you, too, before we get out of here. Yeah. Uh, that would be flexible. That'd be one they'd move. Well, would they move it to night or a 4 o'clock game? Huh? Well, it could be either. But I, but I, I, we have to look and see if that's a CBS weekend or a Fox weekend. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, we'll look in a commercial break here. We'll be right back. More with Stan Saverin as we celebrate the Steelers beating the Bengals again. .com. It is the DVE Morning Show, and Stan Saverin sitting in with us here in his power hour of Steeler talk, which is going much better now that the Steelers won. Had they <laughs> lost yesterday, eh, I might have played a couple songs. <laughs> oh, you, the, and one I, of I was them, imagining what that was going to be, you know, the defense and the defense, and the issues with the defense is still the same. Mm-hmm. That didn't change because they won the game. Uh, but, yeah, that uh, especially with two weeks off now, uh, puts them in a much better frame of mind. And mathematically, you know, they're a half game behind. The Bengals now have to go to Kansas City. Then the Bengals get New Orleans. Uh, maybe the bigger concern at this point is Baltimore because you get another shot at them. And right, and then good things can happen if you can uh, run the division on the second time through. Uh, the D line yesterday with a couple of sacks, Tuit got his first, and I think that was Hargrave's first, wasn't it? Or was, did no, he have I one? Don't think so. No. no, I think he's he had one one or two before that. He played Hargrave's played the best game I've seen him play in a couple of years since his rookie season. Really, I thought he had a really good game. They need more from Stephon Tuit. Yeah, um, Cam Hayward. Um, Tackles aren't always the best arbiter of how a guy played. So a coach would know watching the film, but Cam is not listed as having an assist uh, or a tackle. But then again, he's double teamed all the time. They so, got tons of pressure on on uh, Andy yesterday. You know, and he I think he was a big part of doing that. The weird thing is they they seem to 
to get pressure on him. And, and every time he felt it, he'd bounce out. We had nobody getting an arm on him, and he was able to bounce out and make plays right before we were able to snatch him up. Yeah, the pressure wasn't bad. Again, uh, yeah, you'd like to get 11 sacks, or you'd like to get seven sacks or six sacks. But the thing with, like, Matt Ryan last week, you move him off his spot. And, yeah, Dalton made some plays, but if you move him off his spot, they're not operating as efficiently as they as they can. Um, and that's what you're looking for. You get a sack great. Would you, if you were the defensive coordinator of the Bengals, would you have sent the house on that play? The last play, of course, that A.B. beat him on. Now, if you if you get to him, you knock him out of field goal, field goal range. range. But I, I think that was the idea. Um, Boys, at a risk reward it, it, scenario. It, 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 you know, it's, it's very risky. My my thought would be, they hadn't gotten to him all day, and I'm sure that they blitzed other times. Never got a sniff uh, of Ben. <laughs> uh, I think I'm playing more of a conventional defense, uh, although. You know, we talk about the Bengals drive. You know, the Steelers moved up lickety split mm-hmm. into field goal range. I think one of the biggest plays of the entire game we're not talking about is the holding call on Dre Kirkpatrick. Because now you're looking Dre at Dre was four- talking about it after Yeah, he was. Yeah, <laughs> he never has done anything wrong. Uh, but, I mean, that, they would have faced, they would have faced a, a fourth and ten. Um and maybe they convert it, but that's, you know, you'd rather not be facing that. They still needed yardage, but it did give them a first down and a fresh set of downs. That's a huge play. But no, in answer to your question, I don't think I'm blitzing there because I'd had no success doing it at any point yeah. during the game. And that having been said, the safety what was are, lined up 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. What are you doing there? Right. What are your biggest concerns for the Steelers that they need to address in the next two weeks? I don't know that it's strategies. I mean, I think the personnel that they have, that's the personnel they have. Mike's right. I think they're going to have to find an answer at corner. Uh, I don't know if he's the answer, but I don't know if Michael agree. I thought Cam Sutton had a tremendous game yesterday. Whether that translates to him being a starter. I mean, that was corner, a hell of a matchup. You know, that guy is a guy's foot huge. taller he's, than him. Sutton's, you know, he's right. He's 5'10". The other guy was, you know, 6'5". Well, if Morgan Burnett can't ever play, then they're going to need Cam Sutton to keep being Morgan Burnett. Is, is part of the 60 beast package. But, yeah, last year, if you remember, when Hayden went out, they went with Sensabaugh for four games, and he, he got off to a good start, and then he got progressively worse, and they started Sutton at that spot right before he, the game before Hayden came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Artie Burns, that's, uh, he is headed in a discouraging direction. They don't have an established third receiver based on Yank and Washington for, for Justin Hunter yesterday. And, you know, getting in the way might be the top end of what you can ask out of Justin Hunter at that position. Getting in the way of a guy so somebody else can catch it. But the arrow's definitely pointing up at the tight end position. I mean, the, the yes. contribution they had yesterday was incredible. 14 catches. Burnett I mean. is their signature free agent acquisition, and he's been almost a complete non-factor because of health. Um, and the special teams, you know, do you still trust Chris Boswell or not? And those those costly returns that uh, Stan referenced, you can't have that. No. But actually, you know what? By and large, up until that point, they've done a pretty good job in punt coverage and in kick coverage. Uh, that was kind of an aberration yesterday. Uh, I think there's no question that Terrell Edmonds is now your star- starting strong safety. But, again, they have issues, um, and it's really not fair to them uh, to have Vince Williams covering wide receivers. I mean, it's not his yeah. forte. 
Uh, but when Morgan Burnett comes back, now you've got him and Edmonds presuming that Burnett's healthy. That was the idea of bringing him in. We understand we're not great at inside linebacker on pass coverage. This is going to compensate for that. They haven't been able to use that jumbo package that they talked about all offseason. Stan, who do you got on your show today? We'll be talking to Tunch. Tunch will be breaking down film and talk to us. We'll also be talking to Joe Rudder, who covers the Steelers for the Tribune Review and was there yesterday. So uh, a lot of Steeler talk. We may sneak in some Penguin talk. Uh, we get any news on Justin Schultz. And I just watched that video. Oh, my God. The leg. Oh, it looks I don't like, know if he you, I like I hope nobody saw me. I went. <laughs> <laughs> See, oh. We spent all this time talking about oh, two defensemen. They got to trade somebody, and that worked itself out pretty quick. It always does. Ricola. Thanks to Tim Benz and Jerry Dulac for joining us today. Uh, quick announcement for you: uh, just announcing that in five minutes. This will go on sale. DVE, along with Gray Area Productions, presenting the latest in the legendary album series at the Rex Theater. The Rex Waltz. It's a celebration of The Last Waltz. Maybe the yes. finest concert movie of all time and one of the biggest selling live albums ever. Friday, December 7th at the Rex, benefiting Special Olympics of PA, featuring Joe Grishecki, Rob James of the Clarks, Bill Deasy, Paul Luke, Bill Toms, Clinton Clegg, Jay Wiley, the Hawkeyes, John Bindley, Max Somerville, Nathan Zub, Andre Costello, Molly Alphabet, Chet Vincent, Chad Sipes, the music of Bob Dylan, Van Morrison, Neil Young, Muddy Waters, Dr. John, Neil Diamond, Joni Mitchell, and of course, the band, all celebrated in one night at the Rex, the Rex Waltz. Tickets go on sale 10 a.m. at ticketfly.com, and we'll have it for you linked at dve.com as well and uh, the Ramble Band backing everything up very excited for that one that's going to be a super fun night it's going to be awesome that's many years in the making this this show is the, we've been picking away at figuring this out and uh, finally able to get this one done and uh, that is Friday night December 7th so good deal that's it for us for today tomorrow on the show Gene Steratour Zebra Talk also, Charlie Batch will be in studio. We'll talk with Cam Hayward. Also, Billy Gardell returns, and you know he's going to be super excited to talk about the Steelers at three, two, and one. Given their start, this is a pretty good, a pretty good outcome for them. Get better as the season goes forward. Three, two, one, bye. There you go. Three, two, one, bye, indeed. And Antonio Brown, as stress-filled. As his last week was, though it was all self-imposed for him to end it the way he did. I threw an ottoman out my window yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's only the first floor, though. You know, it's like a double-edged sword. <laughs> <Nobody> was harmed. <laughs> it's like a double-edged sword. Like, AB is so great. But this is what makes him think he can do anything. You know, it's just every week he really is Superman. Ben Roethlisberger reads the blitz and makes it happen. 7 to 84. And the Wi-Fi had all the bars connected. And in the gun, 15 seconds to go. The Steelers have a timeout left. Blitz is coming. All and here it comes. Blitz. And a quick pop over the middle. Running free. That's Antonio. 10-5. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. you got to be here. Oh, Unbelievable. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. They got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.